Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 11 of the Paropod. With your hosts, Mark and... Owen? <laughs> Owen. You're supposed to come yeah, in there, know. Owen. I didn't know we were actually recording. <laughs> I didn't know that was the opening. <laughs> we're recording. We're recording. This oh, is the start of the podcast. Now. Okay, cool. <laughs> I think you got to go. You man, the amount of people that have said to me as well is like, Mark's got a wonderful podcast voice. <laughs> I wonder. Oh, God bless. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Um, yeah. So, well, th- this is this is week two of uh, life in the pod, the literal parallel pod. Where the virtual we're separate, zone. The virtual zone. We exist only in a virtual realm. Uh, we are not physically present. We can only exist. Uh, on the, in the global village. So, it's something about the global village. I don't know. Mark McCoy would definitely have a better analysis for what's going on right here. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, but so this is this is week two of us uh, being apart. How how are you getting on? On how how is how are you holding up? I'm doing pretty good. Um, I was actually able to keep my a routine of some sort going, so you know that's always handy. Um, besides that. I just I watched a load of films this week. That's about it. Yeah, there's not much to do really. Yeah, quite similar to be honest. Uh, going for a few runs, a few walks, and the shop. I've been running myself now. I know last week I said I fucking hated running, and I do hate running. But there's something about like. But there's something. There's definitely something about the euphoria of uh, of succeeding and getting to like I don't know, like two K or whatever. It's like um, fucking owning that that like inner bitch that's in you that's like <laughs> you can't do it but like you can yeah you're like i can do this and your body's like just stop just take just take a break just go home and you're like nah you know it's, some, it's a little victory the little victories like that it is the little victories yeah it is it's all about the mental health and stuff like that so i don't know there's some sort of uh it's good for you anyway it is and, good. Uh, yeah. take you out of your comfort zone yeah exactly it's all about not being comfortable that's what I'm all about. I'm um, all about discomfort. <laughs> I'm all about making people uncomfortable. Oh man, I am um, all for that. I think I thrive <laughs> off that. <laughs> there's some. There's no sweeter joy than making someone uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go for them. Let's go for them. Let's go for their mental Let's health. Go for it. <laughs> That's what Instagram told me anyway. Yeah. But, 100%. Uh, yeah. Other than that, I watched a few movies. I didn't. I, I actually didn't. Wa- I confess, I didn't watch many movies. And then I realized last night that I hadn't watched anything. And I sort of speed ran through uh, a few of the things we were looking at uh, this week. So, what uh, did you watch? The things around the docket, did you? I didn't watch uh, the Chicago Seven. Didn't watch that. I've watched everything else, though, I think. Yeah, because I uh, yeah. I actually caught up on like some of the things that we talked about before. Like I watched a uh, Deer Hunter uh, mm. on Saturday. Great and movie. Yeah, man, that's um. That's a good fucking film. Like I understand, I really got the part like the like the three parts is like key because like uh, it's like just after um I think they're like sitting down like talking or whatever like Robert De Niro and um Christopher Walken and they're just like chatting about whatever and then it just cuts into Vietnam and there's no time frame for like how long they've been there for but you immediately know that it's obviously been a while because. Robert De Niro is like kind of already a bit fucked up. <laughs> yeah, he like he doesn't uh, acknowledge the fact that they know each other when they first run in. They they just run into into each other in this random field in uh, Vietnam, and they're like, "Hey, I forget his name, 
Robert De Niro's character. But they're like, oh, look, it's it's a uh, it. Or Michael, Michael, Michael. It's me, Christopher Walken, and he's like, yeah, he's he like, come on, we gotta go. Respond. He just keeps walking. Yeah, he's like, he's in battle mode. So things have changed very, very rapidly. And then the the POW camp scene is a very disturbing, very distressing scene. I didn't that like. There's one bit there where like it cuts from them like talking to each other, and then it's immediately into the POW camp. And I feel like the film would have benefited a bit more if um, they kind of fleshed it out a little bit because. I, I thought that I like that I missed something. I thought like I glanced away or whatever, and that mm. I had missed like them being captured because it's like it's literally like the next scene and they're captured. Like it doesn't show it or anything like that. Yeah, I don't remember. The, that's probably true. I don't think it really matters though. You know, it doesn't really matter. But like I thought, be like better. I was like, what the fuck? Am I watching like a faulty? I was watching this on movie, <laughs> so I was like, what the fuck? Did movie like cut a scene out or something? What the fuck that's what I was thinking for the first hour because it's about a wedding. I'm like, I thought this is a Vietnam movie. You know. It's about, yeah, it's like, yeah, what yeah. is this? And it's like, an, you're like an hour in. It's like, nothing's happened in this movie. But, uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed the wedding scene, though. I felt like uh, the, like, the four or five guys, they all, they really felt like a group of friends and, like, that they, they cared about each other, but, like, they didn't really talk about it as well. It was really, it was really uh, a realistic portrayal, I think, of, mm. like, a, like, male friendship, kind of. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Like, they even had a... I think the bar owner was an actual steel worker who they just ran into. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. They're doing, a, they're doing research for the roles, and uh, Robert De Niro was led around by this guy uh, who worked at the steel mill, and he was like... He liked him so much, he's like, oh, do you want to be in the movie? And he's like, yeah. And he got, like, a main part. Yeah, so he's and like, he's good as well. He's, yeah, he's a good he's really actor. Good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the... um, I did like the... like Because the f- opening is, like... Well, the whole, like, first hour or whatever, the opening, I guess is like it's really like nice and friendly and like loving environment you really get the sense of like a loving environment and then it's in such a contrast to the vietnam section it's crazy and the mm. pow scene is fucked yeah you feel really bad uh, i'm surprised your man survived you know the guy who ends up in the wheelchair yeah, I, I thought, thought he, he was, was dead. I thought he, I was, thought he was dead. dead. Yeah. <laughs> or I thought that they were just going to leave him there. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought Robert De Niro was going to leave him. He seemed to motion to leave him and then he went back. And then he jumped off the helicopter to save him and stuff like that. Yeah, I, yeah that was... I don't know. It was a very... Because like, the way he was talking about beforehand, he was just like... like James, whatever the fuck his name is. Uh, like, leave him. Like, he's, he's mm. dead. There's no... He's in the... In the tank or whatever the fuck it was called, like the underground bit. I think he's gone. We can't mm. save him now. And then he just saves him anyway. I don't know. It was a bit weird. <laughs> you do, you do. Uh, it was like a really authentic friendship anyway, or friendship circle. Yeah, it was. And then a uh, great sort of lens to view that the whole thing through. Uh, just like living with them for a while, and then you get to the the Vietnam scenes. I like maybe it's per it's like on purpose that they don't really. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, and like they're acting erratic erratically. In the sense that uh, they're under a lot of stress and like things aren't yeah. uh, like they've been removed from this really cozy environment into this really hectic one, and they come out at the other end completely uh, ruined mentally oh, and physically. Completely and physically, like that mm. was like it was really interesting. Uh, the like the three dudes because like obviously the guys in, in like a wheelchair after like losing his legs and yeah. he. Uh, He's like he's like mentally fucked as well because he doesn't want to leave the the place. And he's like, oh no, like this. He's like this place is is amazing, whatever. And then Robert De Niro is like 
so cold and distant and isolated and like the fucking the, the trauma as well like that bit where like his friend pulls the gun on uh, the other mate in the cabin and he takes the mm. gun and he he fucking does Russian roulette like with them that was fucked I was like he's gonna kill him he's 100% gonna kill him <laughs> I was yeah. convinced your man was dead uh, and then of course like fucking Christopher Walken just he's like you got goose arguably the worst of them all <laughs> yeah I, well, look what happened with him thought he would have just come on but uh he obviously went loopy yeah and uh just reliving the it's like that reliving that trauma over and over again yeah trapped in the loop there's definitely something about Russian roulette the motif like the fact yeah. that it's just com- it's complete chance complete random and there's no there's never any mention of uh ideology or anything in the film no or, uh, there's not like they're not really, they don't have any solid reason why they're there, and it's sort yeah. of reflected in in, uh, in their actions and just like their sort of their attitude towards it. Like your man uh, Robert De Niro comes home and he doesn't really, he doesn't mention it really. Like he he takes the the gratitude on the street when people are like, oh, thank you for your service, but he doesn't like use it um, to like get his way or whatever. Like, no, he's just, no. He's just sort of come back and he like he's straight back into it with uh, Meryl Streep. Wait, I didn't and, know she was uh, in this movie. Yeah, yeah, it's a, some cast. It know? is some cast. What the Cause, fuck? Because <laughs> she she took it because uh, you know your man John Cazale, the uh, John guy with the big head. Who, yes, uh, Robert yes, De Niro yes. shoots. Yeah, yeah, he was dying at the time of this movie um, of cancer, but like he was married to Meryl Streep, and he wanted to do this movie, so she took the the role of like like her character is so basic and so like sort of like a stock. Uh, Wife. Stock woman. Girl. Yeah, yeah, it's just like just a woman, you know. It's very, very few features. You can't really tell. Uh, you couldn't really pick her out of a line or whatever. But uh, he, he took that. She took that role just to be with him in like his last few months. Yeah, he, he died oh, before the movie came out. Yeah. Oh shit! I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. this is his last movie. Yeah, good he's film. great, great actor though. Good film. Yeah, good film. Yeah, good film. <laughs> <laughs> he's really good. good <laughs> yeah, he is. He's a really good actor. The um, but yeah, that bit like. That uh, I under I like watching it. I I was I now understand what you meant by like tying it to to Halloween with that like that faith and destiny thing, the Russian roulette mm. motif, and like that reliving of trauma over and over again. Uh, yeah, it's really it was it's really interesting comparison actually. I didn't because I I didn't know because I, I didn't know anything about the film. And I was like, Deer Hunter and Halloween. What the fuck is Mark talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it's. Because I watched him in like two nights in a row. Michael Myers goes to Vietnam or some shit. Yeah, that's why he does all that stuff. What do you think, you know? Killing kids and stuff. He saw all that, that stuff in Nam. The Viet Cong. Yeah, see it back in Nam. Back in Nam. But yeah, it is just, uh, that whole thing about it, you know? They're just it's so mean. And the, the like, what do you think about the ending of the film, actually? Yeah, Like, what, what happens? Like, uh... No, I mean like uh, there was a song at the end. The song they start singing "God, God Bless America" at the end. Yeah, I was like, because I was cause, like, they're singing about like, um, like land of the free and like prosperity and that she like that she'll always like provide or some shit like that. And I was just looking, I was like, you're all fucked, completely <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> like every single one of you is emotionally destroyed from what has happened from this from this war. Yeah, and it's such a. It's such a good like, cause like it's not really a critique. As like, I don't feel like it really critiques that much of like America's involvement in it up until that point. Really, the last like 
know of the film ties makes the whole film a critique because if mm. they didn't start singing that song it's like oh yeah nam was really fucked up but with that <laughs> ending it's now like no 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 america caused this and yeah nam was fucked up <laughs> yeah because they're singing at their uh at their mate's funeral you know god bless america yeah the guy the guy who went over the guy who was driven insane by what he was told to do by uh you know the american government basically and uh and they're all like like the fact that they're working class steel workers and stuff like that like they're all yeah. they're all just like union men who just randomly seem to go to vietnam one day but the director said uh, that that scene was completely sincere like it wasn't ironic at all which is which really? doesn't, make, doesn't make any sense to me because it seems so obviously uh like sardonic almost well, he said that it was... dude's a fucking idiot. That is such yeah. a like because they're <laughs> singing it sadly. It there's no joy in that scene whatsoever, and it's completely yeah. like, I that's so weird. How could you yeah. see that as like genuine? He was crazy, man. He made Heaven's Gate after this, and his career he's never heard from again. You know? Well, obviously, his last good decision was just before, just before that that scene. Like they, t- they saw films like yeah. really good decisions, and then the last scene. It's like trying to be genuine and it's very, and then it's sarcastic, and then you make a terrible film. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I I don't know how he thought that was that was better as being like a sincere thing. I think I thought it was a very good ending. Uh, it is a great ending. Yeah, you know, very subtle, but also biting. You know? It is biting. How could you not see that as a critique? <laughs> <laughs> that makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, it's so obviously a critique. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. The, um... Such a... Just an American thing, like, you know. Like, oh, no, it was terrible. Like, that's it. Just full stop, you know. (laughs) That was it. We had no... You know, we had to go there and do everything that we did. (laughs) Yeah, shame. It's what a shame. No no further elaboration, you know. (laughs) No. And also, but I understand, like, remember last week we were talking about that thing where, like, this is like, oh, the... Like, the Viet Cong in this are, like, so brutal and so violent. And then it's like, oh, look at all the damage that happened to, like, our boys that went over there. And they had to face this horrible enemy. And as you said, like, how much was it? Like, six million Vietnamese people died during that war. And it's just not touched on yeah, whatsoever. <laughs> and even, like, the Viet Cong, the Vietnamese people that that, that are killed, they're killed by the Viet Cong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Like that, that town, even that in the, the uh, village that he's in, it's one of the Vietnamese fighters that that kills all the other Vietnamese people. Yeah, that throws the bomb into the, uh, the little hatch thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fucked up. Yeah, it is. There's, there's no real, there's no real movie from a Vietnamese perspective. I suppose you'd, you'd expect that, but uh, there's like a, a real lack of uh, conscience, I suppose. They're so yeah. they're, the lack of self awareness is astonishing. Like the cognitive yeah. dis- dissonance that is going on there is incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's like look at our poor boys got all fucked up. It's just like, what about the other guy? You know? <laughs> yeah, what about the other guy? He's, he's just... You're not the victim here. <laughs> you have to come over there. <laughs> yeah, they're all on holiday. Look, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a great, it's a great movie though. I lo- I really like it. It is a great film. Yeah, such a such an epic. It is an epic. The scenes up in the um, the mountains and stuff like that were beautiful. I couldn't. Mm. T- I genuinely. I couldn't tell. Like, are they actually up there, or is that like just some incredible like picture that's behind them? Obviously, they were actually up there, but like, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and that's when they start shooting deer. It's such a contrast as well between um, the like open, the openness of the American wild, and then the like claustrophobic, damp, sweaty, dangerous Viet- Vietnam area. Mm. Like when they're going down the river, he literally mentioned like there's rats all over the river, and the river is like brown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The jungle versus like the mountain and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's cool. Mm, a lot of symbolism in that movie. As soon as uh, <laughs> as soon as Christopher Walken was like, oh, make sure to bring me back, I was like, he's dead. He's 100% dead. <laughs> There's no way he's making out of this film alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As soon as someone mentions uh, that in the film, they're fucked. They're dead 100%. <laughs> yeah, it's over. Like, But you, you, you don't expect how good the cast is as well. It's like such a... It's insane. Such and Christopher, Christopher Walken as well. Christopher Walken is amazing in this movie. He's, he's such a great actor. He's so good. Great he's performance, so, so good. Know? Like, you he see him in Balls of Fury though. and stuff. He doesn't... Well, he, you know, he doesn't have to do much. It's like it's like a, it's like a subtle thing, you know? Yeah. Like, his, uh, his thing with Meryl Streep is, uh, felt pretty genuine to me. But uh, yeah. it's like... It's not, it's not really in the film. It's just sort of... You can tell there's like an energy there or whatever. Yeah, especially but, uh, like uh, at the start, you can kind of tell that there is like definitely a kind of history between. Oh shit! You can tell that there's definitely a a, a history between uh, Meryl Streep and Robert. Or I was gonna say Robert Pattinson, Robert De Niro's character. <laughs> <laughs> Remake on the cards. Yeah, but I'd say the sarcasm this now. Nothing is sacred anymore. I would not be surprised. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's definitely a possibility. Deer Hunter Two. I'm pretty sure that's a video game. I'm pretty sure we played that in like some nightclub somewhere. I would say so. It sounds like a f- it no. would be. But uh, speaking of Vietnam, Mark, <laughs> uh, the trial of the Chicago Seven. I watched that this week. Oh. Yeah, how is that? I've heard a lot. I've heard a lot about it. It's really good. It's like because the last uh, Aaron Sorkin thing I watched was um, Molly's Game. Did you watch that? Came out in 2017, I think. No, I never watched it. It's oh, it's yeah, it's. You know, it's pretty average. I think it's just you know, it's just kind of alright. It's exactly what you think it's gonna be. There's no like mad twists or turns. I'm kind of the same with this film, but I think that this is like really. I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's like it's pretty cool that this film's coming out right now because it's talking about like you know Vietnam, and more importantly the the protests of uh, of Vietnam and how they're seen as like you know unpatriotic for not wanting America to be part of the war and stuff like that and mm. uh, it's just kind of cool that this film is coming out now with like you know the Black Lives Matter protests and stuff like that and you hear the same arguments arguments against the anti-war protesters are being used now against Black Lives Matter protesters and stuff like that mm. which is obviously maybe a purpose uh, purposely done by Aaron Sorkin uh, because obviously like you know Black Lives Matter would have happened in like 2013 2012 and stuff like that so maybe he's basing it off that as well but it's just mm. pretty cool um and another thing is like uh sasha baron cohen and um his buddy in this i don't know what his name is they are so fucking funny and the film needs them so much because if it wasn't for them this film would be depressingly serious <laughs> yeah isn't there isn't there a, wait what's it about so, I, don't, I don't know what it's about. Do you know the Chicago 7 are? No, no so, idea. The Chicago 7 were... 
Well, originally there was eight of them. And they what were, happened to the eight fella? I'll tell you now, like, right? So oh, the oh. Uh, the Chicago Eight, as they were originally known, were uh, anti-war protesters that went to Chicago to protest at the Democratic Party convention or some shit. Oh, and, uh, in 68, was it? Yeah, and a riot uh, occurred. And they got charged with um, conspiracy for that. They were trying to incite violence and they that the, that the riot was uh, caused by them. And mm. the eighth fella was uh, a Black Panther member. Fred Hampton is in this film as well. Fred Hampton's oh, really? murder is part of this film as well. Oh shit! Because uh, his mate uh, S- uh, Seal, I can't remember his name, something Seal. He was uh, one of the starters of the uh, the Black Lives or Black Lives, the Black Panthers, and uh, Fred Hampton is behind him, giving him legal advice. So mm-hmm. it's like, and uh, and then Fred Hampton gets killed in the film, but uh, the the oh. Black Panther uh, something Seal in real life. The judge was so obviously racist towards him and wouldn't treat him like anyone else in the court. Like, you know the way that you're allowed to, like, um, to uh, represent yourself and stuff like that? He mm. wouldn't let the Black Panther do that. And he was like, where's your lawyer? And his lawyer wasn't there for whatever reason. He had, like, a kidney transplant or some shit like that. <laughs> and he didn't have a lawyer. And he uh-huh. wasn't allowed to represent himself. So the pre- the judge was just like, well, there's a lawyer right there. And the other lawyer was just like, I don't represent him. I'm representing these seven. He's not part of me. But the judge was like, just represent him. He's like, no, I won't. Because that's not, I'm not his lawyer. Mm-hmm. And then the Black Panther kept like protesting, basically. Uh, to the point where he was uh, bound and gagged in the court. And then they called like a, uh, like a recess or whatever. And they're just like, uh, yeah, I don't really think it's a good idea to have um, a black man tied up and gagged in a, an American court. And uh, he's just like, oh, yeah, fair. So they like, fair, he's fair just like, uh, <laughs> he uh, like canceled. Basically, he took away his charges and like, <laughs> just threw him out of the court. So then it just yeah. became the seven. So he didn't get done for oh, okay. for this. But it's really funny in the in the film because like the judge, I can't remember the actor's name. He's really really good though. But he's talking to the the Chicago Sevens um, lawyer, and uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the uh, the prosecutor. He's up there with his boss, and then Chicago Seven defend uh, the defense is there with the two dudes, and uh, one of the defense is just like, yeah, it's not really a good idea. And the judge is like, you are the first person to ever insinuate that I was. Um, discriminating against a black man and then mm. the second defense guy just goes well let the record show that i am the second person to everything that <laughs> yeah <laughs> but like it's really it is like it's a funny film as well um mainly because like i think i don't know how much this is kind of the problem with the film but like i don't know how much is fact and how much is fiction because the ending of the film is complete fiction what happens at the end <clears throat> the whole thing is that they keep talking about like um like there's one character who keeps writing down all the names of all the soldiers that died during the war, and they they're like, we got to remember that this trial's for them, and at yeah. the end for their closing thing, whatever, he's just reading out the the names of all the soldiers that died since the trial started, mm. and like everyone's standing up and everyone's clapping and everyone's like, yeah, we did it, Dude, but what? that didn't happen at all. That never happened. <laughs> 
Oh really? What happened at the end? What happened in real life? In real life, they got they just got sentenced for five years or some shit like that. They didn't even Did serve, they? they didn't even serve the full five because uh, they like they went for an appeal and the like Supreme Court or whatever is just like this is complete bollocks. Get this, let them out. This is complete horseshit. <laughs> the judge, the judge was like so obviously against them. Mm. Like, they keep talking about in the film about like how this isn't a crime. This isn't a, a criminal trial or like um financial crime this is a political trial mm. and uh they keep talking about that and it's like just make the comparison do it call it a show trial call it what it is <laughs> yeah exactly yeah because it was the nixon uh cabinet that were in at the time so apparently mm. that they just was like they just wanted to get like get um anti-war protesters and i just completely discredited them and yeah, that's why, yeah that's why they these were chosen yeah sure that's the whole thing with with that uh that convention wasn't it because there was riots outside it but then inside it uh, uh robert kennedy was shot was, was assassinated was he killed in that that was that convention yeah oh shit. assassinated by a, a rogue you know guy wait obviously he wasn't assassinated he was obviously it was a cia operation yeah and then you have fred hampton which is also an fbi operation yeah. it's like you know there's a lot of there's a lot of scope there to expand into that sort of territory like it's a political trial and there's like there's one side that's killed these two people and then the other side which is like protesting against killing people it's like there's like different levels to the to the thing i think i think especially when you look like watergate and stuff like that you're just like nixon was so unbelievably corrupt he 100 had all these people killed <laughs> oh yeah absolutely Actually, they all did that, you know? Yeah. Standard up, operating procedure. But he was like the most obvious example of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was openly crooked, you know? He was openly crooked, yeah. It's really interest, interest, interestingly um, cut together. He's a Sasha Bowen character's character, Abby's... Or, yeah, his character, because, you know, whatever. He, in real life... Like, he, in the <laughs> film, goes to, like, um, comedy clubs. So there's bits where, like, it's interspersed between... The riot that happened in the past, the trial at the moment, and then like intercutting each one of these bits with Sasha Bone, like Abby, at the comedy club. So there's like yeah. a bit where like they're describing um, the cops coming down or whatever, and then it's cutting in between with like him at the comedy club, and he's just like, "There is one thing that you never ever want to see a cop doing," and then it's cutting to like the like the trial or whatever and he's describing it there and then it's cut with another scene where like someone else is describing it as like these three bits are coming together and then it just cuts to the past and it's just cops taking off their badges because they're taking off their badges oh, and they're holding up their yeah. clubs and he's like you never want to see a police yeah. officer doing that <laughs> yeah they always do that don't they it's that's the thing. so well done it's yeah, really well done that sounds really cool that sounds really cool is he, is he telling jokes like He's like, he's kind of telling jokes and stuff like that. There's actually a really good bit where like, <clears throat> Alan Ginsberg was there at the, at the uh, protest. King, King. And he's there talking about the trial where he's like, yeah, they tried to make it seem like Alan Ginsberg was doing like some war cry or whatever. And then it could just cuts to the past and it's just him going like, um, yeah, <laughs> and doing like butter shit, whatever. And then it's just like, and then it just cuts to the, like the, uh, like him in the comedy club. He's like, the dude was singing like Buddhism or some shit. <laughs> but it's like, he's like kind of telling jokes, but like, it's just really well done. Like in a narrative yeah. perspective, it's really well done. It's yeah, really, yeah. really well written. That sounds really Sorkin-y. You know, it is. It's cut, really it's sort of like choppy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Walk with me. 
telling jokes, you know, all those different uh, perspectives. Yeah, that sounds really cool. I recommend to, it. It's like... I have to have a look. <clears throat> the only problem with the film is really like, you can't really tell... Like, there's certain bits where, like, you're like, I can't tell if that happened or not. Like, there's a bit where, like, uh, Sasha Bone Car- character and, like, his mate, or whatever the fuck he's called, stand up and, like, judges robes. Mm. Because the whole thing is, like, they're kind of, like, taking the piss. And, like, the actual dudes did take the piss. But I had to, like, find out whether or not they did do shit like that. But they didn't. They just, like, they were just, like, laughing during the trial and stuff like that. Like, right. one, like a fucking... Uh, a witness or whatever, like one of the cops or whatever, would be given, like, in real life, would be given, um, like, their statement or whatever, and the two dudes would just start bursting out laughing, just saying, like, that's complete bollocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's one way to do it, you know? But, uh, there's, like, uh, like, content warning for this com- for this bit right here, gonna talk about, like, some sexual, uh, abuse that goes on in the film. Ah, uh, every film. Man. Every film. But, like, <laughs> in this skip hour so fast forward like fast forward like five ten minutes <laughs> ten minutes well, five minutes fast uh, how... forward five minutes and okay okay if you explain don't explain this that, explain this there's a bit in the film where it's intercrowding with the with the riot right mm. and it talks about how these tree like frat boys were there and they were following a girl because she was on the on the shoulders like holding the flag mm. and then they come, they like follow them to like the police station and then they come back to the park. And these dudes follow them the entire way, pull her off the shoulders of the guys that she's with, and then proceed to try and rape her in the park amidst the riot. And it's used as a like attention device. And I was like, it's pretty intense. You didn't need to throw that in there. <laughs> That's that sounds, kind of unnecessary. That sounds because- like something from like a naked lunch or something. Because I was trying to find out if it happened. I couldn't yeah. find any account of this ever happening. During the during the uh, the riot, like mm. it's such a weird time yeah, to during pick, a fucking riot. You know? Like they're literally, and especially like <laughs> no one's helping her, but yet she was with like five or six dudes just before that, and then the main like one mm. of the main one of the main fellas is the one that runs over and kicks the shit out of th- the three dudes and like saves her. <laughs> it's like that clearly didn't fucking uh, happen. Why did you put that into the film? <laughs> it's like, is there any? Re- is it just there to set up him as like a? A noble guy or whatever? I think so. I think because, like, <clears throat> this film is, like, pretty pretty obviously uh, leaning politically one way. <laughs> mm. And it's uh, because everyone that's, like, pro-war or, like, conservative is a fucking asshole in this film. Mm. They're a fucking asshole. And the uh, all the liberals... And left wing guys are like funny and charismatic and likable and are in the right because they're talking about this shit. And it's like you guys are clearly in the right. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So it's just thrown classic sword. So it's just thrown in these uh these like frat boy college guys that are, like lean this way <laughs> and they're also rapists. <laughs> <laughs> just like NPCs, just like yeah. spawned out of nowhere. Like, ah, the frat boy rapists. You know, it's, it's still a stock character. You know, yeah. throw it in. But besides all those points, it's uh, it's it's good. It's really good. I enjoyed it. Mm. Yeah, I have to have a look. after because it. it's got good reviews. Oh man, know? I say this thing is gonna tear up in the Oscars. I I am convinced because nothing else is really coming out this year. So this thing is gonna win. Yeah, fucking true. everything. I think. Very true. Because like nothing else has come out. <laughs> yeah, what else has come out? It's like it's all Netflix stuff. That's Netflix gonna sweep it. You know. Yeah. 
Maybe the coronavirus was a Netflix ploy to sweep the Oscars. Maybe to legitimize their. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because like, what else has like really come out this year? That's like of that Caliber, yeah. of that note. And we're into fucking. Well, I guess a few things will come out next month because this is next, ne- like November Oscar is uh, season. Yeah, Oscar. Oscar I wonder what is coming so out. Maybe got a bunch yeah. of shit then. But loads of stuff got delayed, so I don't know. Mm. Yeah, oh, Dune's coming out actually. I think isn't it? Maybe that will clean up a bit, man. If oh, I can already tell, fucking Tenant is gonna win fucking best uh, fucking special effects. Tenet, really? that. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at a December 2020 releases, and it's just films that have already been released. So there, there we go. Maybe this this wins like 20 Oscars because it's the only film that came out. <laughs> Uh, yeah, forget about that. Anyway, we're move, moving on. But besides uh, besides all that as well, actually, I started watching Napoleon actually as well. Yeah, what a movie. They took it down off YouTube. Such a shame. Yes, because I went to see that, so that's why, uh, you know, I have it downloaded. <laughs> oh, nice. But uh, I haven't watched that much of it. Like, I'm, because I downloaded it on Sunday. And I've watched. I watched uh, the childhood, all that stuff. Snowball and then I watched yeah. up until he goes back to um, wherever he's from. Where's he from? Like Corinth, Corsica. And I haven't seen anything yeah. since then. So like, I've only watched an hour of the film. Mm. Because I want to watch it like in either half hour or hour segments. Like I'm gonna watch the whole film. Man, we should just watch it five hours together. Yeah, we should. Yeah, It'd be great. <laughs> you laugh. Take a load of shrooms and just watch it. <laughs> Just watch Napoleon. Yeah, I don't know. It's like that, uh, you know that album that you were showing me? About Caretaker? Yes. Caretaker. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. like that thing. It's like, it's like what? That album's what? 10 hours long? Something like that, yeah. It's already six hours long. It's yeah, yeah. crazy like that. I think it's six hours. Yeah, yeah. It's like, but it's sort of worth it, you know? It is, yeah, because it's like, I think it's like in the first, uh, in the first bit with the child stuff, that was really good. I really, really enjoyed that. Like, I, I do enjoy yeah. the film uh, and I like watching it. And like it is, it's super interesting. Like the technical side of it is so interesting. Mm, it's shot like a modern. It, it could come out today, and if you had some coloring, and uh, I don't know, put some sound into it. Obviously, it, yeah. it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't go too amiss, you know. No, it's like, yeah, it's really well done. And like that, like um, that montage of him as a kid, where he's getting pelted with snowballs, but he's just like still commanding them on what to do. It's so well mm. done. It's really, really well done. Yeah, the montage. What happened? With, the art of the montage was lost somewhere in the 1930s. Mm. Like, what happened there, you know? Like, it's such an effective uh, technique. Yeah, especially and with Napo- stuff like that. Yeah, Napoleon really used it well. Yeah, I, I think it's... I haven't watched... I've only watched, I think, an hour and a half. Yeah. But uh, it's just like... It really interests me, the whole thing. Like, just the vision. Mm. The sort of romantic vision. It's like the ultimate sort of, like, romantic movie. Not in, like, a... I don't know. Like, sexual sense. But yeah, I, mean, like, I know what you mean. Like, the capital like or romanticism. Yeah. Yeah, he, wa- he wants to invoke the sublime in the audience. Like, that's what you want from a, a movie, you know? Not just something that you watch and you consume. And then you, part, you, like, you, you know, you move on to the next thing. Something that you get involved in. And that, like, changes you. Especially because, like, this is, like... Um... Like, much like Deer Hunter, but Deer Hunter, you know, three hours long. This thing is an epic. <laughs> yeah, five hours long. Five or, five, five or six. And, a, a, like, the span of, a, like, a dude's entire life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not just one dude. You know, the great man. Like, the the prototype of the great man, you know? Yeah. Like one of those, those, like... Coming of uh, age legends and stuff like that. Yeah, the, one of the mighty heroes of uh, 
modern times. Yeah. It's almost like a, like an anti deer hunter. Yeah, like it the, is. The way the way they use like in deer hunter, like they're all off at war fighting for something that they don't really understand. They don't know why they're at war, and they're all sort of isolated individuals on the other side of the world. Whereas in like Napoleon, I suppose it's like more about the mob, like the the collective. Mm. Like it's about Napoleon individually, but he's more of a representative of. He's like a conduit for all this different energy. Yeah. From France, I suppose, and like they're fighting for like a. A clear reason and they're like well they're fighting for empire just... like empire has given them that reason to fight mm. whereas when it's vietnam it's like these vague ideologies like that are like fighting yeah. out it's it's interesting that that is such an interesting reading of it like the comparison between like those two because it was what we were talking mm. about last week that fucking that exposure that like world war Two. because this came in 1927 world mm. war Two like revealed kind of the like brutality hidden within uh empires and it's like mm. interesting that this film like is that like romanticized version of empire and it is like the french uh empire as something worth fighting for yeah exactly yeah it's like the the original version you know first as a first as tragedy then as a farce you know yeah as a great man once said yeah someone said that uh, <laughs> but uh <laughs> that uh, yeah it is like though um it feels like when you're watching it, it feels like like a Charles, not a Charles Dickens book, but like of that era. Mm, yeah. It feels like one of those like classic pieces of literature when you're watching this. It gives off that vibe. It's interesting. Yeah, it's really weird. Because I would not I would never watch a film from this era normally. Maybe they're all like this, but... Metropolis you know. is good. I recommend that. Mm, yeah. Do we watch and that in M- full? M is meant to be really good. Uh, well, we had it in college. Yeah. Yeah, I think I watched it. Um, besides that, no, we didn't watch it in like for like one of those Michael Hines classes, though. No. Yeah. Shout out to they Michael. Good. Shout out to Michael Hines. If he's <laughs> Hinesy. <laughs> Hinesy, shout out to you. <laughs> yeah, they're two interesting. That's a good uh, like, comparison, though. It's an interesting like contrast between the two. Um, I also watched one other film. What'd you watch? And you watch this as well, Mark. Trash hunters or trash humpers. Trash humpers. Get it right. It's such a key distinction. Trash hunters. <laughs> the sequel to to Deer Hunters. <laughs> trash humpers. Yeah, yeah. Harmony Korean. Very interesting movie. What did you think about it? Um, well, what do you what do you because you 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 introduced me to Harmony Korean. You introduced me to Gummo, which I had never heard of. Or like Harmony Korean, never heard of him before. Mm. And then I think we we're in first year. You or first or second year, I think mm. it was first year though. You just recommended, oh yeah, you should watch Gummo. Not explaining to me what Gummo <laughs> was whatsoever. Yeah, I think Aaron. And had I the, watched it. Aaron had watched it, I think, before. And so Aaron I, watched it. As Aaron's well. a big fan. And I did not have to, like. I was like, "What is this?" It's mm. Gummo is like so unlike. Well, I guess like it's still unlike anything I've ever seen. Whereas there's literally no plot. It's just things playing out <laughs> yeah it's like uh because it's all inspired by vaudeville theater yeah so it's like um uh, it's almost like because we're talking about napoleon there that's like the start of the the full feature like the only reason you can make a film that's five hours long is because there was no like set standards really for like what a feature was like yeah, it, could, yeah, yeah. it could be really any length and uh most most films were just like newsreels or like short films or sketches like charlie chaplin and stuff They'd be on for like 10, 15 minutes and then it'd be like 
the news and like then another short film stuff like that and people wouldn't really watch them they just sort of like talk with their mates and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's like something it, to play in the background nearly yeah it's almost like netflix um or like just tv in general but um so gomo like or like his korean sort of thesis is sort of derived from that i think it's something to experience like a like a, a mood piece almost and everything yeah. is just all the meaning and all the uh the tone is just sort of generated from how these things sort of clash with each other mm. and uh the vibes like there's no there's no real set script in any of his movies um, it's like mostly improvised it's kind of like gasper in a way in that way yeah it's mo- it's it's like uh he described it as just like uh imagery like he'd come up with a certain amount of images and he'd have like a rough outline for a scene or for like a like a sequence and then he'd film it and just see what happened like uh, gummo you can see that like pretty clearly because things happen they just don't just they've no real significance yeah like, there's it's like, like loads a bunch of, tangents. of like short films nearly <clears throat> yeah there's loads of weird tangents and stuff like that and uh trash numbers is just like that to the extreme i think yeah i think like the idea of gummo is taken to the utmost extreme in trash hunters like tr- or trash hunters like you saying trash hunters trash humpers trash i i definitely want to go back and uh and watch gummo again now after watching trash humpers um but did you like Trash Humpers? Like, would you say you like Trash Humpers? Uh, yeah, sort of. But, like, I feel like if i just seen that, if, if like, if you're, like, watching Netflix and it's, like, you know, the way it counts down at the end and just mm. play some random film next, if that came on, yeah, I'd yeah. be like, this is shite. I'd be like, this is rubbish. Like, it's not, it's not a good movie unless you, like, watch it, like, proper watch it. Yeah, knowing... Uh, yeah, knowing like, who made it and, like, what yeah. the ideas behind it are. Yeah, it's like a that. film for, like, Harmony Korean fans. Like, yeah. if you don't, like... If you don't know anything about Harmony Korean and, like, have never watched any of, uh, any of his films, like, this is, like... I Like, this... Uh, shout out to Robin, if she's, like, listening to this, but, like, she described it as, like, <laughs> like the most inaccessible film ever made. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, and it is. It's, like, when I was watching it, I had such a fear, fear of dread of starting the film, thinking this film is literally just going to be, a, like, three actors in, like, old uh, people makeup Humping trash. I was terrified that's, that that's what the film was going to be. And that is basically what it's what it is. Like, that you know? is, but like this is more. You know, there's a bit there's more, more scenery too. and there's more other stuff going on. Mm. But like when I was watching it, because like the film's only like an hour long, it took me like two hours because I kept like pausing it and like taking kind of notes and stuff like that. And because uh, I wanted, at a certain stage, I think it was like they broke a TV at the start of the film. Mm. And I was like, okay, what's going on, <laughs> basically? And uh, I started, like, reading the film while watching it, like, trying to interpret the film while watching it. Like, what was, like, my reading of what was going on? Like, you know, mm. what was, like... Because Harmony Korean, like, especially Gummo, because, like, you can read Gummo as, like, um, the, like, death of suburbia and, like, the death of uh, the, like midwest forgotten people yeah. and stuff like that like they have nothing to do yeah gummo's way easier to read it's like a lot more yeah. like mythical elements as well whereas like mm. trash humpers is like an urban legend you know it's like something you'd find yeah it's like a creepy pasta if yeah, you're, like, you're yeah. watching but it's like, like a home movie watch- like you're saying i feel like watching trash humpers felt like something that like i shouldn't be watching this 
it felt like this like weird youtube hole that like you yeah, go down yeah. but it's a film <laughs> yeah like none of those youtube channels where like there's like people in like uh diesel jeans who like go into swamps and like yeah. just like you know live it it's just like weird like they have like 40 views and you feel like you're like almost a voyeur like you're seeing yes. you should you should be looking away or something it's like mm. if you like look in someone's window and like oh look, they're I don't know, they're getting dressed or whatever. You're like, oh, God, you know? Yeah, it's on, yeah, it shouldn't be looking at that. Yeah, it's on, like, except it's in, on a screen in front of you. It's, like, it's a really weird vibe. I think the uh, the VHS style adds to that, though, because you feel like, like, certainly for me, I felt like I was watching, like, home videos of, like, these people, like, these people that I didn't know, and I was watching their home videos of, like, like, there's, like, a bit of, like, skateboard-esque vibes, like, those skateboard videos. Yeah, yeah. To this in a way, but it's, like, this distorted, fucked up, slightly disturbing version where it's, like, old people. Because, like, you don't even, like, you're, like, obviously when you're watching it, you're aware that these are young people. But, like, you know, within the film, they're they're old people. And it's, it's this weird creepiness to it it's a creepy mm. fucking film <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's one of the most uncomfortable films i've ever watched <laughs> yeah it is really weird especially with, like when they're humping i just they're just humping like bags of, of like of rubbish of trash <laughs> yeah trash they're just humping trash for a lot There's for a, a good bit of the movie like at least i say it's only like 10 minutes of the film <laughs> it's just he chopped it up it's just them humping trash <laughs> Uh, uh, but like there's a bit where like he like one of the fellas like is holding like a fucking like branch yeah and he's just like deep throwing it he like, starts deep throwing the branch it. yeah 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 that's so that's on the, that's at the start of the movie as well I was like yeah. what the fuck <laughs> what the fuck is this yeah and then the the girl is there like taking a shit or something and taking a piss yeah the girl is his wife the girl yeah, is Harry Grin's wife, wife yeah. yeah she's in Spring and Breakers and he's like the behind the camera yeah, yeah, he's the one. Uh, he's like he gives prompts to them as well. Get it, get it, get it, dude. Yeah, don't fake it. Make it, make it. Don't fake it. Make it, make it. Don't fake it. Uh, <laughs> he's just going <laughs> for like no reason. It's so weird. But then the, it's so annoying as well. Yeah, it is really annoying. But like, uh, that's pretty just how it's he directs in general. Annoying, yeah, it's yeah. Purposely annoying. But uh, the use of like nursery rhymes and stuff like that because it's it's really annoying. Uh, but then he keeps doing it and almost like. It like takes on a meaning almost. It's like a motif, mm. like it almost, and they start clashing into each other, and they, uh, like the the nursery rhyme that they sing about the three little devils, shows yeah. up in about it's like four or five times I think. Yeah, but it's it comes like, up like repeatedly. Yeah, yeah, it's like mostly in the latter part of the movie. But then it's like it almost like it is wandering around for like half an hour, and then it's just like oh, we'll sort of stick with this thread. It's like it's almost narrowing down on something, but it never yeah, it never fully like- resolves, you know. I feel like, I don't know at what point it was, but at one point, like, there was a vague, like, repetition. Like, it's not even a narrative. It's, like, the repetition of, like, motifs starts to pop up. Mm. Like, um, where, like, there's kind of a narrative at the end, but not really, but there's sort of a narrative. Yeah. Um, But, like, that thing was you're talking about, like, the nursery rhymes. I feel like this film, and I maybe, like, Harmony Korean as a whole, he like brings up things that are like vaguely familiar. Like when you're watching this, things that are like vaguely famil- familiar. Like sitting around on like on like your holidays or whatever, and your mom pulls it out the camera, 
and you're sitting out the, out the back or whatever with your family mm. and it's hot and it's like murky and it's like that damp heat or whatever and someone comes through with the camera and it's just like you know looking back on those videos you're just like talking about whatever like there's a scene like that where like they're just sitting out on the porch and uh, this guy's like trying to tell jokes or whatever and he's like oh no no wait 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 huh i got another one mm. like those type of scenes are like vaguely familiar and like there's like a sense of like something there but it's alienated and it's distant and it's it's uncomfortable so therefore it's not familiar anymore Mm. and it's just fucking weird like i feel like the film my kind of reading of the film was like the we're like watching these are like it's a glimpse into these people's lives who have been completely like left behind by modern society Mm. and they have nothing to do except to hump trash and do whatever the fuck else they do but they're like they have nothing to do and the film alienates us as a viewer the same way that they themselves have been alienated by modern society yeah that's that's definitely uh i totally agree with that definitely i think it's like um in terms especially considering what he's done before it's definitely there losers outsiders mm-hmm. uh they've been left behind aliens um well it's like a positive that's like a positive thing it's portrayed as a positive thing like you know the the end scene where they're, they're driving around i think it's harmony corinne just in the driving seat yeah he's the, he's the dude with the long hair yeah yeah and he's just like, he's like i can smell these i can smell the uh the uh oppression in the air on these people mm-hmm. when i when i drive down these streets it's I like, feel sorry for them. Yeah, like I feel sorry for them. Like, like they have they have it all basically. They're like in the suburbs, and these people are like in their homes with their kids and like their white picket fences and stuff like that. Like they have it all, but then these like these trash humpers are driving around, like living and in. They feel bad for them. Yeah, living on their underpasses and like humping uh, bags of rubbish, but like they're like free. They're almost more free in a way because they just do basically whatever they want, and they don't mm-hmm. they don't care what people think or. Um, Stuff like that. It definitely like the the skate video comparison definitely works as well because that, that that's his that's his lineage. That's where he came from. Yeah, making skate videos. Yeah, because it does feel like that, especially like when they're on like bikes and stuff, like skating or like not skating around, but like fucking cycling around and stuff like that. Mm. There is like that sense of like of the skateboard videos there, and it's just it's just weird. <laughs> it's just such a weird film. Mm. The um, I found it really like jarring nearly where they start committing murders that was like so i did not expect like that bit where like it just cuts and they have like a plastic bag over a dude's head oh yeah and they're like doing like some kind of chant and there's a guy playing the, the guitar that was like like one of the most like it's not even violent but the whole thing like really deeply disturbed me yeah it is (laughs) it felt like i was watching a snuff video or something yeah i looked away i I was just like i'm done with this basically i was like i was like i'm not watching that it was almost like there's no narrative but it was almost like too complex the narrative Mm. is it like what's going like who's that guy and like what's this but uh some fella he wasn't even i don't think he was in the scene beforehand or anything yeah yeah and he's just they kill a guy and um he's there's a guy playing some lick on a guitar and you're like I don't know. It's like everything's so repetitive. Mm. Um, like there's a lot of repetition. I think it's there's some sort of meaning in that. Well, like I, I just, I just, I got up and uh, made some tea. I was like, I'm not gonna watch. Can't <laughs> do this. Came back ten minutes later. It's grand. Yeah. There's a. I think as well. There's something really disturbing about watching these like old guys driving around, talking about like homes 
and they're looking for a home mm. and like there's just something creepy about that because like I know that like early before before we started recording you were talking about like how like Harmony Korean like lies about things but apparently like he was talking about like how like growing up in like Nashville which is where this film is set um that like there would be like weird creepy old men and stuff like that and some of them would like wander around like looking to houses and stuff like that yeah. just like looking in to see what you're doing or whatever and like I feel like this is like such a weird commentary on growing up in the middle of fucking nowhere in Nashville. It's so weird. Yeah, he has like two. It's also, it's also a fucking boring film as well. <laughs> yeah, there's not much going on. It's like but it's uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like a, it's like a movie. It's like that thing. It's like Gummo. Like you can stick it on the background and you can walk away for like fifteen minutes, and come back, and you're not like you're not gonna miss much. You're gonna miss anything. Yeah, yeah. But like you, you can still follow pretty well. Um. Well, yeah, I think as well it's pretty cool as well. That, like the film, the film's like narrative, like <clears throat> and stuff like that, is like meaningless, almost like in a capitalist society, these people's lives are meaningless because they're not contributing whatsoever yeah, to society. Because they're old and they're trash. They're old and they're trash. They're reproducing they're the with the rubbish. Nothing to do. Mm, you know, it's interesting though. It's cool. Yeah. Well, like, it's definitely a cool film and I do like it but I don't think I like if I was to ever watch this again I need to be watching it with someone yeah you need to be talking through it probably yeah and just like chatting yeah like, I'd, I'd never watch this again no nah, never but Gomo, Gomo like, is really Gomo again. really rewatchable I think because you miss a lot and there's like so many different elements to it yeah the mythic yeah. elements and stuff yeah 100% and Spring Breakers also another amazing movie yeah I haven't seen Spring Breakers but it's on Netflix so I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah, watch that too yeah that watch it's very good the new one with Matthew McConaughey. Is that inaccessible as well, or is it just like? No, that's like his most accessible movie out of all. It's it's like a, it's like almost like a standard, like, action movie. It's like it's like a Disney movie, but like, stuck through a blender, something like that. You know. <laughs> that's just. <laughs> it's just. I think his films are like like something else, but stuck through a blender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, it just goes, it gets at like there's no real set narrative, and things just happen for no reason. But yeah, it's like. Um, it's more of a mood piece again it's more of like uh, you don't have to follow the plot exactly it's not really about the plot yeah and, uh, I feel like that film that film's trailer is one of the worst trailers ever because that is not how the film is As I guess though it is a commentary on that as well and the fact that he's using uh, like Disney stars and stuff like that in the mm. film it's, like, it's all like a commentary on that mm. but I can imagine someone watching the trailer to Spring Breakers and then watching a Harmony Korean film and fucking hating it because those two yeah. things are completely separate. Because <laughs> like Spring Break is, is like it's like eating uh, a sweet like like just the the visuals are amazing. They're so like colorful and stuff, and the neons and all that stuff. It's really nice film to watch, and it's just even the music. It's like it's a very good mood piece. Uh, spring Break, Spring Break, bitch, <laughs> all that stuff. James Franco is pretty good doing his. Is an impression of uh, that rapper. What's his name? Riff Raff. Riff Raff, I think. It <laughs> yeah, Post Malone, maybe. He looks like Post Malone, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Spring Break is really good. The new one, though, isn't good with Matthew McConaughey. Oh, isn't it? When did it come out? Uh, two years ago, I think. Or last oh. year, maybe. What's it called? Uh, what's it called? Beach Bum. We were, I rented it. Oh, I rented yeah, it yeah, 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 yeah. You rented that. Me, in, uh... me, and, me and Rachel watched it. And it was like, I was—I can't yeah. remember much of it, but it wasn't very good. 
I was talking to my family actually about like um about like you know the video store that we went to yeah. in like Vancouver, which is like where we like watched like a like which where we got like most of the films that we watched in Vancouver. Yeah, but you they remember that time? As well. Do they? <laughs> yeah, the Black Dog um, Podcast. Shout out to Black Dog Podcast <laughs> in Vancouver, an amazing uh, re- uh, rental place. Yeah, hopefully for, like, so. Films. Uh, the weird all the weird stuff and if you ever go back to vancouver i'm st- like straight back straight there, in there not returning anything no not returning i'll bring it home with me, but like <laughs> still have um, the uh, membership cards oh where i feel like mine might be in my mine's in my, my wallet rooms. mine's somewhere i definitely still have it but um i forgot that like that time where like we were at here's a bit of a story time for the listeners Ooh. there's a time where me and mark had a uh, dvds to return and uh, oh, yeah. we were we were like an hour we were like an hour like a, like an hour basically an hour and a half walk to the place mm. and the place closed in an hour so the quickest way to get there was by boat oh yeah <laughs> so we got a boat <laughs> it's like trains planes and automobiles yeah. to, get place to get there on time to just to hand in the fucking stuff so yeah. that we didn't get a fine because we cannot afford taking a fine. Yeah, yeah. That was, like, how did it... Oh, because we had to go across, like, the, the inlet, wasn't it? Yeah. Or, like, the sound or something. Oh, that was so yeah, weird. That was, that was so... I remember that. <laughs> that was, like, it was the only time that we that we were on, on a boat. That we was amazing as well, that view. Like, it was so beautiful. That was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. <laughs> And then we, had, then we had basically a session that night. That was a great crack. <laughs> that was, was amazing. Real day. Yeah. Um, I remember looking up the, looking up Google Maps. It was like, <laughs> the quickest way to get there is by boat. <laughs> it was like, why not? Because <laughs> yeah, it, was like, it, was like, it was like $10 or something for the boat. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty And we had Jonah at that stage. Um, yeah. And there was, they had this surly like sailor who was like, he took us across the... Uh, <laughs> Took us across the inlet. So funny. And we were like, step on it fast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I saw that photos so from that. The, the, the colors Same. of the sky. That, like that, that, we were literally sailed into the into the inlet at, at like almost at exactly sun, at sunset. At sunset. Yeah. It was yeah. perfectly timed. Because it was, it was dark by the time. It was like, like night time by the time that we got to the video place. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't even that late. It was like fucking, well, I guess it was. It was like 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock at that stage. And now, Mark, onto the film that we I know that we both have watched because it was the recommended viewing for this week. And that is... I hope everyone has watched it. Uh, everyone should watch this. Um, it is Well, I'm sure everyone already has seen this film because it's The Other Guys. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's a classic. A cla- it actually is at this stage. It's a classic comedy at this stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's there amongst the, like, the likes of like Tropic Thunder and... Um, uh, Anchorman, I suppose. Anchorman and The Hangover. I was thinking of The Hangover for those those twenty tens comedies. So a uh, plot summary for this film: Two mismatched New York uh, City detectives. My phone locked. <laughs> Two mismatched New York City detectives seize an opportunity to step up like the bit like the city's top cops, whom they idolize. Only things don't go quite according to plan. I love this film. It's an amazing movie. It's uh, it's so fucking funny. It's so fucking funny. Yeah, I've never, I've never laughed before or since as hard as I did in the cinema watching that. I was, I must have been twelve, I suppose, but like, I, I still remember the the laugh in the theater. Mm. I've never heard a theater laugh as much uh, yeah. in the first ten minutes. I don't think I've seen a comedy film in the cinemas. I think most of the time I just see dramas. Comedy is like a genre that I don't watch that much. Yeah. 
like I'd be, I'd be similar, yeah. Because I think most of them are shite. <laughs> yeah, most of them just aren't funny. But I would have loved to have seen this or Tropic Thunder. I would have definitely loved to have seen in cinema. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, like that. Oh, <laughs> the TLC references. <laughs> There's so- something else. Michael Keaton is actually He's such phenomenal. a yeah. He's phenomenal. Yeah, this in the film. this must have been his comeback movie. You know. I think it was because, yeah. like, you know, he does this, and then next thing he's like really, really in his Birdman. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Wal- but Wahlberg and Fer- like uh, Will Ferrell have almost like dropped off since then. Like, yeah, they, like Will they, Ferrell's they, in like fuck all. Like, yeah, he does like Get Hard and like Holmes and Watson and stuff like that, which aren't and the Eurovision movie. Yeah, like they're not. And then I, Wahlberg does Transformers movies. Yeah, he just does like dad movies now, but. uh like, I haven't seen any of them, but I, I assume they're not very good. I, haven't I heard assume a- they're all shy. I've right? never heard a thing about any of them. Whereas, like, this movie's, like... It's one of those... It's, like, it's not even... It didn't get great reviews when it first came out. But everyone I've ever talked about, or every time I've heard it mentioned, like, people love it. You know? Yeah, I can't, like, get Because I don't hear people, like... I don't think critically it's very well acclaimed. But when you look at, like, IMDb, like, this is, like, over a seven, so... <laughs> mm. It's a great movie. It is a great film. Like it's it's so funny and uh the like well I mean we're gonna get into that like in a bit, but like the whole like financial crash is such a backdrop to this film as well in a like a really interesting way, I think. But um like <laughs> there's just so many bits like the fucking them jumping off the roof. Even the bushes like one it's, of the funniest things I've ever yeah. seen in a film. Dance and Highsmith are like it's like the best parody of uh of like sort of like over the top like mid two thousands American cop, buddy cop uh like action movies. Yeah. But then they like they're killed off straight away, which is like straight away. They kill off these two mate like The Rock and Sam Jackson. They killed the, them like, off the in biggest the first stars fifty minutes. In this film. Yeah, yeah. That's that was such a ballsy move, and that's why it's, it pays off so well because you, you don't ex- you expect them to be involved. Yeah. For the rest of the movie. And then that happens. Like the antagonists are like the bullies, nearly. Yeah, yeah, and they just get <laughs> they just get killed off within fifteen minutes. The way they kill, like the, the whole, even the chase, the the initial chase, like the cold open in the movie, it's where they're so funny. yeah, yeah, it's so so on the top, so much damage. Yeah, yeah, they, and there's like a wrecking ball involved, and they crash into a bus, and then they drive, and then they drive the, the, bus. the bus, and everyone's still on the bus. <laughs> yeah, and then it's like. Do you think this is all worth for like what was like? It was a it was like an ounce or something an like that, or half weed. half a pound of marijuana. He's like, shut the fuck up. No, he's just like, I'll let New York City decide. Oh, the yeah. greatest city on earth. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone starts cheering. Oh, so funny. Yeah, the the, uh, cro- the crocodile stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With or the the shark. Is this shark? Is that or no the, croc? Is what does he call himself when he's a pimp? Oh yeah, gator. Gator, 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 yeah. Gator's bitches better be wearing jimmies. It's like, Jimmy's. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he's like talking about it with like fucking um with the uh, what the fuck is this? Alan and oh yeah, Alan and Terry. Alan Terry, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, he's like just describing to Terry. He's just like, yeah, like I was just like, just explaining it, and Terry's like, holy shit, you were a pimp, and he's like, I was not a pimp. <laughs> and then later on in the film, he like he like breaks into the Gator character. Yeah. To like fucking um, what's the British actor? I forgot his name. Ah, uh, yeah, Steve Coogan. Yeah, Steve Coogan, and he's like, 
wait, what happened? And he's like, I was a pimp in college. It's like, it's a long story. <laughs> he like finally admits that he was a yeah. pimp. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing about the uh, the Prius as well. Like, that's the, uh, yeah. the the car that Alan drives, like Will Ferrell's yeah. character. It's so funny. That car gets fucked up. Yeah, yeah. It's like, as soon as they get into it, Mark Wahlberg's like, it feels like I'm driving around in a literal vagina. He's just, <laughs> Will Ferrell's just like, Starts playing Little River Band somewhere like that. It's just, it's so odd. Like, I always got like a backup CD. <laughs> and the, uh, when, he, when he gives them the mug, remember that? Yeah, FBI. Female, female body, body <laughs> Don't ever fucking do that again. He <laughs> just, just tosses it out. Yeah. Like, this is just not funny whatsoever. Oh, God. Meanwhile, Alice is like, I got a pretty twisted tendency here. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, and then the, the F Shack. You know, uh, Dirty Mike and the Boys. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's the director. Dirty, Dirty Mike is uh, Adam McKay. Oh, is it? That's yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think um, the, um, you know, the bit where they go to the bar, like, and get really drunk. Yeah, yeah. That's actually really like, really uh, cool storytelling. The way that like, like the start of the night is like at the start of the bar, and then. They like as time passes, they're going like more down the bar towards like, and they get more chaotic, and they get more drunk yeah. until there's like a gun firing at one stage. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> two guns firing, <laughs> and they're like pissing on the fucking uh, on the like on the pool table, and then yeah. Mark Wahlberg is there holding a fucking a badge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, I think that that bit is like that like. That montage is like so. Uh, it's like genuinely like good filmmaking. Like really, like mm-hmm. the whole film is good, mm-hmm. but like like inspired filmmaking. If you know. Yeah, what I mean. yeah. Well, it's very well put together. There's there is like there's a lot of random scenes that you like. You'll always get with Will Ferrell movies where it just goes off on the tangent. Mm. Like the part where, uh, like you know that scene where they go to Christina Tout's or Christina's house. <laughs> like that's just like. Like, what relevance does that have to the plot at all? It's just, it's just sort of there to, like, further uh, <laughs> sort of develop uh, <laughs> Alan's character. Get back here, fuck my wife! Yeah, it's Christina! It's... <laughs> <laughs> that bit is so fucking funny. Yeah. I forgot about that. We're like, he's sitting there, he's like, yeah, it looks to Christina, and then the, like... The husband fucking snaps. Yeah, yeah. And then he just wants Alan to fuck his wife. <laughs> And he's just like, you think I'm pretty hairy, but down below, all smooth. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Alan. It's such a, that like relationship between him and his wife is like so, so weird. Yeah, yeah. Oh, between him and... Uh, Christina. Yeah, even, even with his actual wife though. Oh, like so uh, Alan and... Uh, what's her name? What's her name? I forget her name. Sheila. Sheila, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bye, Sheila. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the like, app, the app he has face back. <laughs> and it ends up solving the entire... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the main sort of plot point in the movie, but it's just mentioned once. It's like this retarded app idea that he has. <laughs> it's like the crime was solved. I think it's Ice Cube doing the narration as well. It's like the crime was solved by face back. Yeah, the whole case is solved by that. Uh, it's such a funny film. So many good bits. So many points. Even though, like, 
the like the ending bit where like they're getting chased by like all the different gangs and like your man uh urshan uh, is just in the back and he's just like oh yeah they would be the nigerians whatever the nigerians <laughs> are like on like fucking motorbikes or some shit and yeah. he's like oh yeah they're the the whatever and they're just flying around in a helicopter just like with a, an assault rifle shooting down <laughs> with cops chasing them as well <laughs> It's so over the top. It's like the. It's, pr- ridiculous. it's like the. I don't know how you can make any. Like, how did Will Ferrell keep going with those like sort of, those sort of movies after this? Because like this is just. I feel like this is like as good as he could have got gotten it. Oh, it's the peak you of know? those films. Yeah, because everything's just executed perfectly. Like everything's at the perfect level of like overblown. Of absurdity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely absurd. Like even the, uh, like even the cut, like the the whole framework itself, like the the mismatched cops. Mm. and like they're within they're like the lowers from like an actual sort of genuine sort of buddy cop uh like dancing highsmith yeah, yeah like yeah. they sort of inherit that but even like terry's like trying to be this uh this match he's trying to break through into that sort of mold but he can't I'm and, a like, peacock I, you gotta let me fly you gotta let me fly <laughs> and he's like he's learned to he learned to uh to do ballet to make fun of a kid on his block and all that stuff you know Every every single scene is a piss taken. So even the music they they use, like like the sort of uh, like the saxophones, like when they do mm. like a like a wide shot of the city and there's like a narration over it. And like you, you never meet the narrator. It's just some it's just some guy like it's just some guy, <laughs> it's just some ominous voice. And it changes at, at different points as well. Mm. It's like it's one guy for most of the uh, the movie, but then it's like Ice Cube. I think at the start <laughs> and at the end. I don't know. It's just like so many different levels. And there's like, remember the point in. Uh, where they're at the funeral for dancing Highsmith and uh, Terry's like, he's like trying to break into that mold. He's like, this city needs a hero. And Alan's like, what about 9 million uh, socially conscious unified citizens? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> so he's just knocking them down every single time. It's just like, it's like, well, yeah, why can't we just have, you know, a different system? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, uh, so I told you during the week that I had a reading of this film what you just mentioned there kind of ties into my reading oh of it. yeah yeah um but do you want to go into like the like reading the film like a little bit deeper or do you want to um just keep talking about the film a little bit no I'll go into it deeper um so like yeah so like the film the like the 2008 crash is such a backdrop to this film in like so many ways so like you know the bit where um uh, Alan like shoots the gun in the office to do the, the the office pop. The desk pop. The desk pop, yeah. <laughs> um, there's a bit in that where like the two cops like are like trying to convince him that it's a real thing, and they turn around to another cop, and there's like, oh, uh, Jerry, whatever the fuck. Oh, when did you it, last it is do Jerry a, as well. a desk? Yeah, it is Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> when is, when's the last time you did a a desk pop? And he's like, September two thousand and eight. September two thousand and eight is when the financial crash happened. Whoa. So it's almost like when's the last time you fired your gun in the office? I did it two thousand and eight. So like it's almost like, you know, an attempted suicide maybe is what tried there or something. You know, <laughs> this is like you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. reaches galore here, by but the this, way. It's, Robert, re- it's, a, it's obviously a reference. But it's a reference to like letting the gun off in the office when everything is crashing down. Mm. is clearly talking about something um and then even like uh when one of the first times when we, we meet Dave, david david er, uh, urslan is um 
he's talking at a, at a conference or something and he's just like america you guys do it bigger better you're all about uh, excess spend that money like he's like He's encouraging like this like mm. pre two thousand and eight idea of like spending money on just fucking bullshit. Yeah, he's talking. He's talking to like a, a think tank as well. Yeah, the the, uh, the Center for American Capitalism. Yeah, it's like a whole reference to the whole think tank industry, which are all just basically shells, shell companies for industries to just sort of perpetuate uh, policy ideas. You know. Yeah, a hundred percent. And even like, I'm pretty sure one state, like I one state, she actually says. Uh, live for excess it's the american way like he's mm-hmm. like completely like just like spend money on anything don't fucking worry about it like it'll be grand <laughs> the market will take care of itself mm. and um that like the company that he works for uh Lendl global um that you know the bit where like um alan is like showing him like a powerpoint presentation kind of yeah about, yeah about like David Urson and they're like they're talking about uh, Lendl Global and then Terry goes um he mentions about like oh Lendl Global that's that company that you can't tell what they do yeah because that's like the stage of capitalism that we are like these massive huge fucking corporations but you have no idea what they actually do <laughs> mm, like like Unilever and stuff you know what yeah. are they in we're in everything it's like the jingle yeah, it's, it's like, the, the, what's, what's that mean? Like, what yeah, do you yeah. actually do? <laughs> I think that they mentioned at one point it's like oil and like textiles. And it's just like a, it's like uh, a he, random list of things. He literally you know? goes like, he, I think it was like oil, textiles, uh, medical, medicine, and uh, like um, like military devices. Yeah, it's like, like completely. That. Like, but it's it's like it's an accurate representation of a lot of mo- a lot of companies out there. You know? Yeah, it's like that late stage capitalism where like things are like so broken that these companies. That have like can be in like childcare while at the same time developing guns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, and then like later on in the film, like at the at very end of the film, uh, like Ice Cube is saying like, oh, Lendl Global uh, was bailed out out by the government because they were too big to fail." Yeah, which is like literally a direct like thing like, "Oh, the companies are too big to fail." <laughs> yeah, like yeah, AIG, the, the ending, these companies are too big to fail. The ending is pretty pessimistic. Yeah, like, it is. You, you don't get. It. I thought it was optimistic for ages. I watched it there last week. The week no, the before. actual like the corporation uh, behind all this is like gets away scot free. Yeah, it's basically like they got the guy. They got Urshan, I suppose. Yeah. But then it's not about Urshan. It's about you know what enabled him to do what he did, which is pretty much everything around him. Yeah. You know, and it's not about. It's not just about Terry or Alan. It's about you know. It's about all the good cops in America and stuff like that. You know? Yeah, that's. Uh, a, yeah, I'm gonna. Get, I'm gonna get because I. I have like my analysis. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You far. You far away. You like, far away. The the analysis because like what you're talking about there is like part of it is like the system itself is not critiqued. It's more the individuals a part of that system that's critiqued as opposed to the overall like societal system that has allowed this to happen is not ever critiqued in the mm-hmm. film but um there's actually a point in the film as well where uh it's when they're handing off the evidence to like the lawyer and uh it's just like oh yeah i know you guys are gonna do like a top-notch like research job on this and just list off like all he's like oh just like and then just list off all the companies that failed in the today yeah. crash <laughs> which like Oh wonder, yeah, like, talks about AIG and stuff. Yeah. Like, did this film take place in the universe where the two thousand eight crash happened, or is it separate to that? 
do you think? I think it's I think it's the the same one. Like, surely why? Because he's like, because he's like, he's like, I, you guys are gonna do such a good job of like looking over this. Because he's being genuine, like he's being serious, saying to them, like, yeah, saying to your man, like, you're gonna look at this properly, and then just list off like all the companies that failed. Well, it's it's Alan that says that, isn't it? So yeah. he's really he's really naive, and like the like the average person back then would probably be like, yeah, like they did their best and stuff like that, you know. Oh yeah, like, sure, yeah. Maybe they were naive. too big to fail, yeah. you know. And there's then there's Terry like you piece of shit you're like we're gonna get you and all that stuff. Mm. It's like the uh, the yin and yang, you know. But like yeah, the boats yeah, are yeah, clueless. Yeah, the boat, yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. I feel like it's definitely in a, our universe, you know. And and then of course the whole the whole thing of like you know, uh, using people's monies money to uh to cover the the loss of these huge corporations, like that whole thing, mm. like the pension fund and stuff like that, like yeah. the whole like basis of the film is like using like people's normal wages people's and normal people's uh, pensions to pay for the fuck ups of these like huge uh, corporations things haven't changed at all in that, that like pe- most people's pensions are still tied to stocks and stuff like that oh yeah and so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you know like no, like they, have, they never changed any of that it doesn't make any sense they never learned the thing, <laughs> i think yeah things go tits up then like it's just gonna happen again and you're like why didn't we change it last time yeah you don't get you don't get a pension sorry because you invested it (laughs) because that's what happened yeah but yeah what were you saying so like obviously the whole like financial crash is a major thing in this film like even like throw off lines like when's the last time you took your office pop 2008 that's like brushed aside but like it's a huge like the financial crash is the over looming event in this film right Mm. So this is my reading of the film, right? Boiling hot takes oh. are being taken here, right? Whoa. But the way that I read the film was um, the, my, or Michael Jackson, Samuel Jackson's <laughs> character and The Rock are, they are the essence, as you said earlier. They're the parody, but they are like, there's like, you know, that hint of truth behind the uh, the American Hollywood action hero duo. Right, but in this film, they are taking things to such a huge extreme that they are causing more damage than good. So the opening scene is like, ah, oh, like you know, half ounce of weed, and they cost like a couple million worth of damage and shit like that. And actually, funny enough, you know the bit where like he, uh, like they're in the, he like Samuel Jackson is in the in the car. And then the rock is driving the bus, and he turns it, and then the car comes flying out, and he shoots through the shoot the car. Yeah, <laughs> I think he, I think, but like when I was watching, it, I was like that he crashes into uh, Trump Towers. Is it? Yeah, it's Trump Towers that he crashes into. Yeah, yeah. So like, literally taking um, no care whatsoever, and doesn't care what he's doing to like you know the big huge Wall Street figures and stuff like that. So. The chaos at the start of the film is pre-2008 America, or the world's capitalism, right? Where people are doing outlandish things and ridiculous risks and are causing so much damage. But it's all seen as okay because... New York is the greatest city in the world. (laughs) Hell yeah, everyone. We're doing it. Like, everything is grand. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like this denial of 
the destruction that is actually taking place because it is seen as what you're meant to do in this world, if you know what I mean. And it's encouraged um, to the point where... So, uh, what are the characters' names? Um, the Jackson and The Rock. What, what's their characters' names? Danson and Highsmith. They're, um, they are the essence of pre-2008 America, right? So, it gets to the stage where their ego is so huge that they think that they can fly, right? <laughs> and they jump off a building and oh, literally shit. crash down and die because yeah. of it. Oh. Whoa, that's a good one. That you is see what I'm talking about? Oh, this mic is just... I need to step away. That is piping hot. That's really good. That is bang on. Their ego has gotten so huge that they Oof. think that they can't fail and they die because of it and they crash because of it. Mm. So, in this post-2008 crash, you need different uh, heroes, different figures, a different way of capitalism working, right? Mm. So, in this way, uh, I kind of tie... Like, for my analysis to kind of work, you need to tie... And it, like I think it does tie very, very, uh, uh, very well the idea of like hyper masculinity with capitalism, because it's that idea of domination, taking control, ownership, and stuff like that, right? And of course, uh, uh, the Rock and Jackson are hyper masculine characters. They are yeah. literally talking about like having sex with women we don't <laughs> even want to have sex with. They're like hyper. Uh masculine characters <laughs> and as you said before mark Wahlberg's character is trying to emulate that because that's mm. what succeeds however he's uh, alan he's tied with alan yeah and alan is not that whatsoever yeah and he says he says uh the the sound of your urine hitting the or not the it's, sound of your piss in the urinal sounds it's, feminine it sounds feminine <laughs> but alan is like seen as this feminine figure to the old guard of america of the film of america that this new way mm. isn't proper it's not the way things should be right so the hyper masculine reckless ego driven excess uh is what causes america to fall so therefore alan is like this like new emerging idea he's not what succeeds he's not like typically he's not what succeeds because he's hyper feminine and because he's uh he's not like he, as you said he's a bit naive but whatever but he's the one that solves the case at the end of the film he's yeah. the one that figures out what to do and it's his app this stupid fucking idea. This face app back. is Facebook <laughs> is the reason why they're able to solve the case. Uh, Alan represents a new way of thinking, but the film limits itself as to having Mark Wahlberg, this hyper masculine, this like idea of the rock and stuff like that. He is he's that idea of America. So it's the merging of like new and like you know feminine alan with hyper masculine terry so it's not that like the system needs to be destroyed and taken down it's mm. that it needs to adapt and merge 
Yeah, yeah. Which is New the synthesis. ultimate. Which is the ultimate thing that we were talking about. Like, the film doesn't critique the systems that caused Urshan uh, mm. to do what he does. It critiques the individual. Similarly, within the characters themselves, what they represent, it doesn't critique the system. It's like the system still works. It just mm. needs to adapt a bit. Even the focus on uh, certain, uh, just the Ponzi scheme sort of aspect of it. Yeah, it's like the, the laws aren't aren't done well. Like there's there's a loophole in the law. Like close the loophole and things will be things will be all things right. will improve. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, even like um like Captain Gene, like uh, fucking Captain Gene. Um, <laughs> Gene tells them. Um, he was like, oh, like just before they're about to head out, he's like, you know, uh, like the like whatever the fuck the name is, like the old cops, they weren't good. They didn't mm. work properly. They caused more damage than good. Mm. And they're like, yeah, we kind of figured that out. And he's like, yous can do better. But they, but he, but within that duo is still the hyper masculine character who is like. Uh, the Rock and uh, Samuel Jackson, like he's still mm. like that. He would be that if he could. Yeah, <laughs> well, like, he, he's like a failure though, in the same sense. Yeah, he is. <laughs> like, he, he, he shot Jeter and all, you know. But like that's only because like, his like fuck up. But you just see that he's like way more like you know that bit where like they uh, they come on the on the motorbikes mm. and he fucking destroys them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's more like he's he's more human than they are. Like like the fact yeah. that they like look under the hood. Like even even the way he's like. Exposes vulnerable with the uh, in a way, I suppose, with the ballet thing mm. um, and his whole the whole girlfriend thing that he yeah. has that emotional side. Yeah, like it's clearly a fa- it's it's clearly a facade. Um, you know, oh, it's, yeah, he's, yeah. he's not just an action figure. You know, yeah, but, um, but he, yeah, but to succeed in the world, he sees that he has to yeah. replicate that a hyper masculine thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a the film kind of like. Like pokes fun at as well. Um, that like Terry keeps thinking that like, uh, uh, Urshan is like part like tied up with like drugs or like the cartel or like the mafia and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's kind of like like it is like it's a parody that like I don't know he's actually doing that, but in a way the film is kind of saying like, no 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 that's not where the like that's not where the big crimes are. The big crimes now are done in boardrooms. They're yeah, done with yeah. taking people's money that's not damage is not done through drug dealing and that shit that's it's a great done point yeah. in the, it's done in the boardroom it's yeah it's like you know in the office blocks yeah wall street is where the real crime takes place mm, yeah and it's where the real damage is done mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah it's almost like a you know almost related to a deer hunter and napoleon like what we we're talking about before mm-hmm. it's like napoleon is like this heroic or no dance and highsmith are, are like napoleon-esque sort of figures like heroic romantic sort of idealized visions of like what uh i don't know cops or like uh agents of the state should be mm. but like completely unrealistic just sort of like idealized something that maybe exists in the past but doesn't anymore and then yeah. you have like deer hunter where it's like terry is like the fuck is it is the deer hunter and like yeah. he doesn't know what he's doing he doesn't know he's like a fish out of water he's like a you know he's like a, he's like a lion in the ocean use his own analogy you know yeah yeah he's yeah, a, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> he's a completely removed from his uh what he imagines himself uh or what he imagines his situation to be and uh it just alienates himself and it creates confusion with people around him whereas alan is almost like definitely like you're reading where like alan is the uh is more sort of modern or more sort of in line with uh 
uh, Adnan. But he's just not well, like the stereotypical idea. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's like a, he's like a move away from that sort of romantic vision. But because of that, he succeeds. Because like you know, like uh, Ursulan and like not Ursulan, fucking The Rock and uh, Samuel Jackson. If they were to go into that boardroom with that type of crime, they yeah. would not have. Not only they wouldn't even gone to that stage because they wouldn't have yeah. fucking figured it out. Yeah. So it's like you need this like modern new idea of what a hero can be and yeah it might be you know you know as they say in the film it might be more uh feminine but there's nothing wrong with that and it's it can succeed because of it or just less uh less destructive you know just less destructive <laughs> yeah well he kind of is destructive you know where he's like america yeah we're in a car covered in cocaine with the uh, <laughs> David Urshan on the back. <laughs> so, and that bit as well, where like, he does like unreal driving. And uh, yeah. like, where did you learn to drive at that? It's like, Grand Theft Auto is like drifting yeah, around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they actually built like a custom Prius for that, uh, for that I scene. I see they did because I was they, watching, like, how the fuck is that car doing that? Yeah, yeah the, the engine took up the entire back seats. Like, there's only two seats in that, in that Prius. Like, it's just, That's gas. it's an actual Prius. It's just like driving yeah. around like that. Mad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah have you ever seen did you watch the credits of this film then yeah yeah because uh, I'd never seen the credits before and I was watching them I was like holy shit they're like trying to explain the 2008 crash <laughs> yeah uh, it's more just explaining the Ponzi schemes yeah yeah and uh, yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's like sort of going into pensions and stuff but, yeah it's, it's, a, it's like majorly focused on like uh just the Ponzi scheme itself, yeah. But uh, it is. It's like it's really weird to have that at the end of a end of a comedy movie, like a will, like a stupid Will, will Ferrell comedy movie, you know? Yeah, well, what's perceived as a stupid Will yeah, Ferrell film, exactly, but then it yeah. has all this like hugely informative information, like shit that I never knew. Like I took down like some of them, um, talks like the AIG bailout and stuff like that. But then the average salary ratio between a CEO of one of these companies and uh, the average employee. Of those companies in 2010 was 319 to one. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And it ju- it just shows like the ridiculous like amount of money that these uh, CEOs and guys that run the bank, but run the banks, how much money they're making, mm. as opposed to like the average person is the one that actually suffered. Yeah, and it did, did the work, you know. Even um, I think I was I was gonna look it up last night, uh, but Ber- Bernie Madoff got away with something like sixty five billion dollars in uh, in like fraudulent, uh, or he defrauded people of sixty five billion dollars. Yeah, because so like, it was basically like it was like a pyramid scheme, like while he was running. Yeah, he basically made he, he made things up, and he made money. Like he just lied, basically. Like it's so easy. Like it's such a yeah. such a simple scam, and they're like, "How did this happen?" It's like. Because you just, you just made believe it up. that, like, you just believe that a rich white dude wouldn't lie about something. <laughs> yeah, just like, yeah, any, yeah, it's just bizarre. This, this film is the precursor to The Big Short. Yeah, yeah, this film is better than The Big Short because, like, The Big Short is like trying to take itself seriously, and it does, yeah, it does like, the job. Like, but, even like, even when it's like, explaining it, it's like it makes no sense. The Big Short, but, like, The Big Short, like, it's still like mm. mad confusing because like, obviously, like, the economics behind it is really confusing. Mm. Well, it's designed to be confusing, you know. But in this film, like. I kind of got a better grasp of it because it didn't it didn't really explain it but you're like oh yeah he he lied and just owes all these people money mm. like Urshan lied and just told he had like told people like he had these money and that he could invest it really well and he failed 
but said like, "Oh yeah, don't worry, we can get like we can get it somewhere else," mm. and then just started taking average people's money to try and pay off the debts of the old. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but um, it is a uh, the David Urson uh, character is definitely like you know the Bernie Madoff character who I didn't know anything about beforehand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Steve Coogan, great actor, great actor. Mm. He's already great actor. he's already funny in this, but like. <clears throat> yeah, he's just more like pathetic. Yeah, 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 definitely. But that's where like my uh, my critiques of like the way that I read this film come into play. Because he's not playing an American, he's playing an Englishman, mm. and all the like bad guys, the guys that like are oh, taking yeah. the pension money, aren't Americans. They're foreigners. They're, from- They're dirty foreigners. They're, they're Australians. They're the fucking Nigerians. They're the the Muslims. The Brazilians. They're the Japanese. They're whatever. They're not the Amer- They're not Americans that are taking the money. Yeah, true. And uh, even to the even to the point that where um, Steve Coogan himself, like he, he's not an American. He's an Englishman. So it's like you know, it's not one of our own. That's uh, the one that lied about things and lied to take people's money. It's the foreigner. Yeah, it's the dirty foreigners again. Um. Yeah, that is that is a bit weird. I didn't notice that before. I think the, the Nigerians and the Palestinian thing, that's like that's definitely just like saying, oh, he's like cavorting with terrorists or whatever. Yeah. But it is weird how like every, like none of them are, Amer- are American. It's no. bizarre. But uh, even Steve Coog, I thought, yeah. Because they don't really utilize his like his talents as like a comedian in it. No, he's just like he could be a pathetic really. character. Yeah, he could, he could be an American actor. So maybe there is something to that. But he's just like this, like pathetic, sn- like like a uh, scheming, slithery little fuck that's like yeah. not gonna do anything. He's just gonna lie to your face and trying like that whole thing where like he's just like he won't like answer their questions. He's like, okay, guys, you got a choice, Mamma Mia or Juicy Boys. Yeah, <laughs> to be fair, that <laughs> that's is still that a comedic funny. effect. But yeah. it, he is uh, he's bribing them because he he can't he can't face up to what he's done. Yeah, poor Steve Coogan's great at that stuff. He's great at being pathetic, but he's like, he is underutilized in the film, though. Yeah, definitely. Because he could yeah. do so much more than what the film yeah. allows him to do. Yeah, he could yeah. be the Michael Keaton character. Like he Michael could, Keaton he is could. so good in this film. He's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Don't go chasing waterfalls, guys. <laughs> what, one last thing. <laughs> Come on, that can't be an accident. <laughs> is it, what is a creep, creep, creep? It's like no one says that. They're not reference to TLC. <laughs> Uh, so good it's so, so where, good where are they going for them you know <laughs> but and also like the other thing as well is like, what you're talking about like it doesn't critique the system it critiques the individuals behind mm. or within the system but doesn't take that step to critique the overall capitalist system that has allowed this to happen yeah yeah but even the way you know the way like uh michael keaton's character has two jobs you know yeah like he's not even making that much money yeah he doesn't make any money really and um like he admits that his, his his two best detectives weren't actually good at their jobs. Like he's yeah. fu- he's fully aware they're like they're like sleepwalking into a disaster basically. Like they yeah, they like- they're fully aware of what's going on. Like their 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 chief of police uh, has to work in Bed Bath Beyond as a fucking uh, floor supervisor, and their two best detectives are known for being bad at their jobs. It's like, they're shite. Yeah, it's like what do they expect to happen? You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is but it's, it's 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 not a systemic critique. It's more like it's like may, maybe if they made a sequel, it'd be like it could they could expand on there. It's like they just sort of fell short. 
just sort of followed Terry and Alan's story. And yeah. They finished up there, you know. Even like but the end as well, we're like, um you know, uh the 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 fucking the peacock flies at the end. Mm. Like Terry's character succeeds at being what he wants to be. He is the, the peacock. <laughs> he is the peacock, but he's also the the Samuel Jackson fucking uh, the rock character he is that figure now he is able to uh to be what he wants to be which is the hero character mm. <clears throat> and he is still like masculine like he's still like taking the piss out of alan and so it shows like overall like yeah this system doesn't work but it just needs a little bit of tweaking and then it's okay don't worry about it we don't yeah. need to tear down the banks we don't need to tear down the corporations that caused this mm. everything's fine if we just plug up a few holes yeah get someone developing face back You'd be laughing. Yeah, phase back. Get the apps. Get those <laughs> tech giants in here. Yeah, And they'll yeah. solve everything. Yeah. And now here we are, the year of our Lord, 2020, and everything's worse. <laughs> yeah, things just got worse. We got the apps. A lot of apps. But yeah, it is a uh, compelling movie. It is a compelling movie. I I really... It's... <clears throat> I, definitely, I definitely want to touch on... Um, uh, Tropic Thunder at a later day we can recommend that at some point that'll I, definitely be done you know there's much to talk like, about there much there's to, so much, much to talk about yeah. mm. speaking of Ben Stiller I watched Terror House last night remember that yeah. oh shit we forgot to I'm just, yes, I'm just gonna touch on this, this briefly yes but uh cause it's yeah go ahead yeah so speaking of Ben Stiller I, I, I watched Terror House last night Terror House it's very very similar to the other guys 2011 movie uh, all star cast very similar Ben Stiller Casey Affleck Eddie Murphy Casey um, Affleck's in this film yeah he's just, he's like the second main character Jesus um, I didn't know that <laughs> yeah um, Michael Peña is in it uh, Matthew Broderick is in it Alec Baldwin um, have you ever seen it no I haven't seen it but it's um, yeah. who's the writer like the original uh, the original novel or whatever it is. Who wrote that? There's no novel. Is Terror Heist not based on a novel? No, that's High Rise. That's J.G. Ballard. Oh, yes. Ballard. Yes, Ballard. yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. That's with Tom, Tom Hiddleston. This is not sorry, High Rise I all. keep thinking of that film <laughs> every time you talk about High Rise. But I know yeah, what yeah. film you're talking about. Yes, sorry. Go yeah, on. Yeah, I, I get them confused as well. But uh, uh, this is very, very different to High Rise. It's just a comedy movie. This is like the other guys. It's like a stupid comedy movie. Mm. Um, Taya Leone is in it as well I don't know if you know her don't know um, who that is but yeah she's in it um, but yeah it's basically it was pitched by Eddie Murphy in about 2005 as an all-star black cast ensemble uh, and he got Tuff. Ben Stiller as the co- <laughs> co-star no no <laughs> the, original, the original project was attached with um, Eddie Murphy Martin Lawrence Chris Tucker Kevin Hart uh, and Someone else that I can't remember. Um, so it was like six like big black comedians who are going to do this like sort of o- Ocean's Eleven style caper. Um, oh, I'm just going to. Yeah, yeah. It was specifically set in Trump Towers, and it was supposed to be employees of Donald Trump um, revolting basically against him. Oh this is pitched, my this is, this is pitched god! In, this is pitched in 2005, and Eddie Murphy pitched this. What and they're like, the fuck? yeah, it's so weird. And Trump was on board. Like Trump was attached basically to the project. Like he, he was a, uh, he wasn't attached. Like he, they had he's permission. He's all for it. Yeah, he didn't mind. 
uh, like the actual film was eventually like Tower Heist was filmed in uh, or the exterior shots were filmed outside Trump Terrace. Uh, so like the, the hotel is Trump Tower basically. Um, That's but, fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. But like over time, it sort of it developed, and Eddie Murphy dropped out, and yes. all, like all the other ones dropped out as well, and it ended up being sort of like a more like conventional sort of standard film. Yeah, sort of a standard sort of bank heist movie. Could you imagine how much people would talk about that uh, that original film if it was out now? Like if that yeah, was what yeah, they that, went with. that would be huge. That would be huge. That would be like conti- that would be analyzed for the rest of forever if that came out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, eventually, they 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 uh, agreed to pay Eddie Murphy seven and a half million dollars, and he came back in, and uh, so they had they still had like an ensemble cast, but like. Imagine coming up with an idea and people have to pay you seven million dollars for you <laughs> yeah. to be a part of that idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so they still had like an ensemble cast, but like it was it was like a variety of different actors. Uh, it's not like all white people like they like like the the main sort of the main characters are pretty like racially diverse, mm. except for like uh, ben, Stiller. ben Stiller, Ben Stiller, and Casey Affleck. The two but, uh, whitest fuckers ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but. Eddie Murphy is actually amazing in the movie. Like he's so funny. Like, Where I can't has he remember. Been? Yeah, that's the thing. this was like no, this is like his comeback movie. Oh, and I, the, the the last person in the uh, ensemble cast was Dave Chappelle. It's gonna be Dave Chappelle, which would have been amazing. Oh but, uh, yeah, that was you, oh, man. I love Dave Chappelle. Eddie Murphy is so funny in this movie. So funny, but like he can tell he sort of lost control of the. Like he's a producer, he's credited as a producer, but he's not. He clearly didn't have control over the script. Mm. and the direction or anything like that because the film sort of it's like it's about four main characters like Ben Stiller Casey Affleck Matthew Broderick and uh, Michael Pena and uh, Ben Stiller Ben Stiller's character sort of knows Eddie Murphy from from the block he's just like yeah. this this guy is like sort of like a vagrant and he like he gets into trouble and he shouts abuse at him sometimes when he's walking to work he's arguing with his girlfriend and stuff like that and uh, basically they all get uh, fired from the tower. Uh, no, they, they they all get fired from the tower at one stage, and uh, so they're planning to heist it, and they're like they're in Benzler's uh, like front room. Yeah, and it's like it's like Michael Pena, Match Broderick, Casey Affleck, Ben Stiller, and uh, Casey Affleck gets up. He's like he's like we can't do this. We're we're ba- we were waiters. Like we can't steal from people. We give to people. Like we're not criminals. And Benzler just goes, "Don't worry, I know this black guy uh, uh, like down the street." And he just the next scene is him just talking to Eddie Murphy. Jesus he's, he's, Christ! He's like, he was like the only black character in the movie, and he's just like he's in prison for some reason, and uh, he he gets him on board for the heist, and uh, it's really weird. But like it's it's very similar. That to is the other so guys. tone deaf. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like we're not criminals. He's like don't worry, I know a guy, and then it just cuts to him and Eddie Murphy. The talking. one black guy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know this. I sort of know this black guy. I just like, I've seen this like, black guy around. He knows yeah, how to rob. I don't know. I don't know what it is about but him, but like he knows how to rob things. It's never even established that he's like a, like like a thief. Like he's just in prison. He's uh, just black. He's just black. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Like, what is this film? Like like they say afterwards, like he admits, like like I'm a thief, but like it's never established beforehand. Like the whole thing is they're trying to rob the. Uh, I think it's the owner of the terror. He's like a Donald Trump character. Mm. And he lives in the penthouse, and uh, they're trying to rob. I don't know. He he's been arrested, and he's uh, he's like a Bernie Madoff figure as well. 
Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he's he's defrauded all their pensions, which Ben Stiller invested on behalf of all the, the staff in the hotel because Ben Stiller was the manager of the hotel. Why is that legal? Like, why is that a thing that people can do? They can invest your fucking pension that you it's haven't like agreed to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like betting. Because one of the girls says at one point, he's like, oh, by the way, I never asked for anyone to triple my portfolio. And like Ben Stiller gets, uh, gets sacked because uh, his doorman tries to commit suicide. Like it gets really dark for a few moments in this movie. What the fuck? Yeah, because <laughs> he's lost. From... Yeah, his, his doorman like has lost his pension and he's like planning to retire. So he tries to commit suicide. So Ben Stiller gets like, goes Hulk mode. He goes up to the, the terror and starts like And he's going to rob all the money that he fucking lost. Yeah, he, he wants to make it right with the with the staff. So he with the people. So yeah, with the people, with the, with the, the proles. So he, he concocts this big plan and he uh, gets them together to basically rob this solid gold Cadillac from the penthouse of the of the tower. And uh out of like the movie's just like it's just pretty it's like it's just pretty funny. Like it's it's yeah. not amazing. It's not like it's not as good as the other guys, but it's like it's a lot of the same themes. Even the the symbol of the tower. I would have been way better with uh, Eddie Murphy's original idea, like with Trump literally in it. Like that would have been sensational, you know. Mm, like you could talk about that for days. Yeah, you could talk about that for days. But uh, even the one that came out, like the, the end product, is uh, it's it's pretty good. Like you know Noah Baumbach, you did. Uh, oh, Marriage Story and all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He he did uh, the final draft on on the script. For some reason, I don't know why. I mean, I mean that you did fucking Madagascar three, so I'm not surprised if you did this. Did he? All oh, right, yeah. yeah, yeah. He wrote um, the script to Madagascar three. Yeah, and like Francis Hart and all this stuff, like really Oscar worthy movies and stuff. Yeah, and then he writes. He went through a divorce, though. I'm pretty sure that's why you did all these weird films. Mm. Yeah, it's really funny though. Like Matthew Broderick was actually great in it as well. Uh, it's, it's a lot of like sort of comeback uh, actors, like Eddie Murphy mm. and Ferris Bueller. You're like just in it as like like first like or Matthew Broderick is just a, this like completely pathetic character who uh, he's evicted from the hotel and like he just he's no I don't he's no real motivation to get involved in the heist but he's just there anyway and Eddie Murphy is uh, just like the black guy and he like I mean if you could be part of a heist would you I would well yeah if I'd just been evicted from the building yeah but like he yeah, just, I don't okay. think he get, he just, he's no guarantee of a pension or anything like that you know, like, yeah, he's just, but you know he's just there something to do. But yeah, it's a, uh, I don't know. It's it's not on any uh, like Amazon or Netflix or anything like that. But it's it's still really good. I'd recommend it. Hello, my name is Kane, and welcome to the Parapod. That there was um. I was there was Keen McCann. Now, I've been friends with Keen for like, you know, the better part of a decade. Never knew the cunt could uh, could beatbox Mark. He's a very talented man. He's multi-talented. Um, very special child. Um, yeah, I don't know where he came up with that. Yeah, that's, 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 a, that's crazy though, you know? It's mental. It's like the, the, the local talent that you'd overlook mm. without, you know... Just sort of hearing yeah, about it. Yeah, like he came, it's the power of social media. You know, Keen reached out to us. He's like, "Here, man, you know, trying to get the beatboxing career off the groundwork. Can the Paropod give me a shout out? Can they give me a feature?" And I was like, "I put my my, I had recently, you know, put my hand in holy water and I put it onto his shoulder." I was like, "Keen, <laughs> yes, 
And so he said to us, Yes, my son. No, 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 yeah, my son. I just said yes. And then I walked away. And then Keenan sent us his file. Just to keep it interesting, just walked away with our response. He's like, yes. <laughs> I didn't give him any contact details. No elaboration. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, Keen, yeah. you know, so, he, yeah, does, it, uh, he does bar mitzvahs. He does uh, he does baptisms. He does uh, weddings. He does... Uh, Mark, what's that fucking uh, Islamic fasting thing called? Ramadan. Ramadan's. He rings in the bells at the end of Ramadan. No, no, he just beatboxes all the way through. <laughs> <laughs> all the way through. Sundown to, sun, <laughs> to sunrise. He made it very, cl- love to see made it. It very clear, though, that uh, he does not do funerals because beatboxing, it's not appropriate for uh, for funerals. He made that very clear. <laughs> doesn't work. Doesn't work. Seen it done. Doesn't happen. Crowd just doesn't. They're not, they're into, not it. into it. And now, Mark, on to the listener questions. If you have a li- have a question, or you got feedback, critiques, hot takes, really anything, you can hit us up on uh, on Instagram and Twitter at paro underscore pod, or you can hit us hit us up on uh, Gmail, theparopod at gmail dot com. So anything that you want, hit us up with everything. Kind of introducing a new segment into this episode because uh, when I put up the um, the uh, the Instagram story post. I asked for hot takes as well as qu- as well as questions, mm. and uh, we got some hot takes. No so worry. we're gonna respond to them and like kind of transform them, I guess, into into questions that we can uh, talk about. But uh, do you want to take the first question, Mark? All right, uh, our first question comes in from Noah, good friend of the podcast, great man. Thank you, Noah. God bless you, Noah. Uh, great to hear from you. He asks favorite stoner move. Favorite stoner film? Now, Mark, as a as a good Christian, as a good Catholic, mm. you know, I would never ever partake in uh, the consumption of the devil's lettuce. No way. But if I ever have or ever did do, you know, I would definitely you know crack open a, a bit of how high. A, uh, I don't know what year it came out. I actually haven't watched this film stoned, <laughs> but Who's in I remember, um, fucking, oh my God, what's his name? Uh, Method Man, uh, he's in it, Who's from that? Wu-Tang, he's from the oh. Wu-Tang Clan, he's in it, um, I don't know who else is in it, I just remember he's in it, but uh, a great stoner comedy, it's about these two dudes, and uh, they're, they're really smart mate dies, and uh, they like cremate him and they take his ashes and they uh, put it into a, like a a plot plant, uh, a pot plant, and then grow a pot plant, <laughs> and um, they uh, they smoke it and then uh, they can talk to him. But he's in heaven, so he can communicate with like Thomas Jefferson or whatever. Uh, because of that, they uh, they smoke it just before they take a test. And uh, they completely ace the test so well that they get a scholarship into Harvard. And they can just go about fucking about doing whatever they want. Going to class. Uh, fucking the uh, the president's daughter is a plot point in this film. Nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, all the while, just doing kind of fuck all. But as soon as it gets to exam time, uh, like, you know, 15 minutes before the exam, you, you, uh, you light up, you smoke, you talk to your dead best mate, and you ace that exam. And it's just a really <laughs> funny film. It's a good film. Yeah, that sounds pretty good, yeah. It's a good one. It goes up with there with like um 
uh, half-baked, but I haven't seen half-baked, so I can't comment on that. Mm, I've never seen that either. Um, but uh, how high is good? Yeah, I'd probably go with the maybe more basic choice, Days and Confused, pretty out there, you know, everyone knows about that. it. But people know about it, you know, it's just like one of those mm. David Linklater films. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Matthew McConaughey plays a pedophile. He's like trying to get with uh, <laughs> high school girls. He smokes a bit of, bit of reefer in the meantime. Uh, it's just like a really laid back movie. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. really relaxing. Uh, you know, I've watched it like a few times on, uh, I think it's on Netflix. I've never seen it. It is on Netflix and I still haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah. I need to watch it. Yeah, it's really good. It's just like a really comfy movie. Um, yeah. And like, everyone's just like laid back and stuff. It's just, it's just not, it's just like a real mood piece. It's just nice and chilled. Yeah, yeah. Relaxed. Yeah, definitely. I like it anyway. On to question number two, I guess now, uh, from Isabel. Uh, Isabel asks, if there wasn't a pandemic, what would you think you'd be doing right now? Um, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking that if there was no pandemic, I don't really know if there would be a power pod. No, there definitely wouldn't be, no. I'd be in work. I would not be, uh, yeah, I would not I be able think- to do this. You know? Yeah, I don't think because like, you know, I think when things settle down again, I think this will keep going. Mm. Uh, but you know, the schedule and stuff like that will change. Yeah, for our recording, but because of the two week thing, you know, we've a we've a bit of leeway, you know. Um, it gives us enough time to like edit it, or whatever. But I don't think we would have been able to organize and like set out what we wanted to do, or whatever, if there wasn't a pandemic, because you work. Or you worked, and you will be working again. Hopefully, when the when all this, <laughs> I hope it. you're not sacked. Uh, well, Full time Pharaoh host from these days on. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we're setting up the Patreon just to, <laughs> just to support Mark. <laughs> um, but I don't. Yeah, I don't think there will be a Pharaoh if there wasn't uh, the pandemic. No, no, sure. The, the last week before uh, before lockdown hit, it was Paddy's week, but I was working like fifty five hours a week. It's like I was working every yeah. every single day. Um, I like it wouldn't usually be like that. It pretty more more like thirty five forty, but like I wouldn't be on the days I'd had off have off. I wouldn't be like ah, I want to like. Mark put in a bar just so everyone knows. Yeah, I worked in a bar. You know, hopefully it opens up again. You know, hopefully it doesn't. But um, either way, but yeah, it would be it would be more difficult, especially if you have a full time job. It's hard to sort of. Especially, I think this would have been a a bi weekly podcast. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Especially when like the hours are pretty irregular. It's hard. Yeah, it's harder. But uh, I think yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think definitely though the uh, the podcast would have been every two weeks, and each episode would have been way longer. Mm. I don't think it would have been two hours long. I think it would have been way longer. I think it would have been like three hours. Three hours. Because we would have been because we would have been talking about like all the the normal shit that we talk about mm. like every episode, which is like you know an hour about talking about like films that we've recently watched or whatever times two yeah. times the hour or so that it takes us to go through the film plus listener questions yeah so, true true yeah it would have been a, a much longer uh podcast yeah basically i don't think i don't think i'd be i'd probably just be doing what i was doing last year and same not, i think it'd just be working i'd just be working away probably wouldn't be doing this i didn't uh i didn't apply for a master's or anything like that same so i missed the, the deadline for those things and at the moment Oh, I don't really fancy applying for a master's because, you know, don't know what's the uh, the future. So Yeah, what's know. the crack? I might apply for a master's like, in like 
May or like April, like once things are like clearing mm. up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which I assume yeah, I assume they will have by then. Um, oh yeah, jeez, hopefully. Hopefully it's not like fucking two years of this shit. And now on to our hot takes section. A kind of new section uh where you, the listener, send in your boiling hot takes about uh, films, society, culture, whatever. And uh, myself and Mark will respond to them. Uh, so the first hot take comes in from Adam. Shout out to Adam. Adam is a fucking gent. And uh, he says, when Marty McFly comes back to the present, he doesn't really know his family. So, do you agree with that, Adam? Or what are you thinking? I'm thinking that I can't really remember the movie that well. That I, like, I'm not sure. And back to the future. Like when he changes the past and he comes back to the future. Or the present mm. day or whatever. And um, his family are minted. And Biff is out there now. Like, you know, they like Biff, like before he goes back, goes backward, back in time. Yeah, yeah. That his dad was like real weak or whatever. And then he comes, then he goes back to the future and he changes and he comes to the present. And he lives in a different house. And Biff is now waxing his dad's car and stuff like that. Yeah. Is that the second one? No, it's in the first one. The first it's one? the end of the is first it? one. Oh, yeah, I don't remember it at all. Um, so I can't really weigh, on, weigh in on this. Um, what do you think? Oh, his, his family are completely different people than what he knew them. Because he grew up with them, knowing them as, uh, you know, um, their, like, working class family or whatever. And then he comes back from, like, you know, changing the past. And they're, you know, they're rich or whatever. So, therefore, their lives have had completely different experiences. Like, they're not the same person anymore. Like, if I, myself grew up you know uh like my dad was a billionaire i would be a completely different person than what i am now mm. yeah so true. his he doesn't actually know his family anymore yeah so like it'd be like uh you know like if you like a long lost brother or like we had like a long lost brother and they come back but they're from like a billionaire f- version of like your family you're like you're like, who is this guy? And he'd be like, mm. who are you, you know? Yeah. yeah. I suppose, yeah. Because that, that's like the grandfather paradox, isn't yeah. it, you know? because especially like his, um, his family, like, you know, they wouldn't have gone to the same school. They would have gone to, like, private schools, more than likely. They, uh, they would have been taught different things, like, you know, how to mm. keep money, more or less, I imagine, is, like, how they would have been, like, taught and stuff like that. They'd be completely different people. They would not be the same people that he knew before he left. Mm, yeah you know it's the whole thing where like you know fame and money and power uh warps you yeah corrupt corrupt you they change it um but he doesn't really uh fit in with them does he when he comes back though it's like it's, he's like he's a bit off i think it's that he doesn't um he's just kind of confused as mm, to how things are maybe. changed yeah it's uh it's it's hard to do all those timelines going going into one there's a lot of timelines. Too many timelines. Uh, and then the uh, the second hot take. Neil uh, Neil says, I don't like Jack Black. Now, I don't know about this. 
What What do you think, Owen? You, you far ahead first. I think I'm disagreeing with this. I I think I'm disagreeing with this. Like I can understand to a point. Uh, you know, Jack Black. You know, stupid. Kind of the same character and everything. You know, Kung Fu Panda and you know Nacho Libre and you know Nacho Libre is shy. You know, terrible movie. All the kind of same things, but then you got Tropic Thunder. Yeah, exactly. His range. And you got School of Rock. School of Rock is amazing. And you got these these classics. Mm. But then again, you look at the um, the actual dude, and his like you know, cringy, uh, love for um, you know heavy metal and his music and stuff like that. Not to well, say that there's nothing wrong with that now. It, there actually like, is like, nothing like wrong. A lot of people you know, like his uh, what's it called? Tenacious D. I think it is, isn't it? Or, uh, yeah, he has some cool ideas though. Like that song where like he's like playing for the devil. I can't remember what it is, or whatever. Like that's a cool idea, or is it a film? I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember. But like it's a cool, uh, it's a cool idea. Yeah, yeah. No, that's your. Uh, yeah, I don't know. He's a. Uh, I like him. I really like him. I think he's cool. I think he's he's like. Uh, he's probably not a great actor, but he's a good no. uh, comedian, and. But he doesn't try to be. Yeah, he's never pretended to be like like he's not gonna show up next year like playing some fucking and fucking fox catcher or some shit like yeah, that. Yeah, like, yeah, he's not he's not gonna be a fucking guard in Auschwitz or something next year. It's like Jack Black, like you've never seen him before, you know? Yeah, Jack Black like, plays just, a serial killer or some shit like that. Yeah, he's just Jack Black. Like, he just does his own thing, and like he doesn't care. He doesn't try to be anything else. Mm. And um, I like him. I think he's pretty good. Like, there's a lot of really bad movies that he's been in, like really bad movies. A yeah, lot. yeah. But that's just because, like, he's just, like, a guy, you know? He's just trying to make make some money. He's, like, um, like I feel like if, um, like, he's kind of like Adam Sandler. But Adam mm. Sandler is a good actor and can actually act. He just chooses these, like, shy films or whatever. Like, if Adam Sandler wasn't in, like, you know, Uncut Gems or um, uh, Punch Drunk Love or... Um, you know these like actual these films where like he's you know he's properly acting and he can sh- he's not mm. showing that he can actually act. Like even with the Adam Sandler comparison, like uh, like Adam Sandler has like before even before last year, like you're looking at a guy who's like has no has one decent movie, and everyone recognizes him as a terrible actor. Otherwise, like he's just not yeah. he's not talented at all. He comes out with one like pretty good performance, and everyone's like, yeah, oh, he's like pretty good. He's like he's a great. Oh, he's actor. amazing actor. <laughs> Like I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure Jack Black could do, could do pretty much the same thing. Like he could have fit into that role in Uncle James as well, you know. Oh, he would have been yeah. so good if he did Uncle James. And then Tropic Thunder, obviously as well. He's like, great. He's, he's pretty good in that. He's great. To be fair, yeah. everyone, everyone is great in Tropic Thunder. Yeah, 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 definitely. That deserves a full episode. It does, and it will get its full episode. It will. It will. Speaking of recommended films, Mark, do you want to give your uh, your recommended film? Yeah, I've thought about this uh, long and hard. It's been like, uh, I'm I'm thinking Peep and Tom, which we discussed last episode. Yeah, briefly. Uh, yeah. By Michael Powell, 1960 film, sort of. Uh, it's like the original slasher. A cult classic. A cult classic. It was it was missing for about ten years between 1960 and 1970 before Martin Scorsese revived it through uh, an archivist friend of his. And then as a sort of a, a supplementary uh, viewing, I'd go with Nightcrawler. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. With uh, Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal in the title role as the Nightcrawler. 
That sounds and, good. I like that combo. Yeah, yeah, quite similar themes. We can expand upon that many different ways. I think it'd be a, an interesting uh, combination. Yes, 100%. Uh, yeah, that's going to be the end of the podcast, I guess, then. Uh, thank too. you for listening. Uh, make sure to send us questions, hot takes, really whatever. Uh, yeah, mm, Mark, send them any, in. any final words to, to end any parting thoughts? God bless you all. Stay safe out there. Keep it clean. See you all. Bye bye.